0: So 2014 was a big year for me. Do you ever have that? Just like a big year, like a banner year. For me, it went like this. October 3rd, I lost my second pregnancy. And then October 8th, my dad died of cancer. And then on November 25th, my husband Aaron died, after three years with stage four glioblastoma, which is just a fancy word for brain cancer. So I'm fun. (laughs) People love to invite (laughs) me out. Hi,
1: everybody. Welcome back to the Be There in Five podcast. I'm Kate Kennedy, your host. That was today's guest, Nora McInerney. And I had to give you a snippet from her very viral, very highly acclaimed TED Talk. While grief isn't the central topic of this episode, and we talk about plenty of lighthearted and fun and nostalgic things as well, uh, we more so go into her career and how her personal experiences have kind of translated into her work and operating Uh, somewhat within the space of grief, but she's also an incredible comedy writer and wrote the book Bad Moms, for example. Uh, The thing people love about Nora, and I know most of you are well aware of her, is kind of was captured in that soundbite I played because the straightforward and honest and almost abrupt nature in which she delivers the series of tragedies she's endured, I think is uh, kind of comparable to how tragic things are introduced into our lives. We're not coddled with like any sort of expectation. And she approaches these inevitabilities in such a candid and engaging way. I think that reminds me that we shouldn't be so afraid to talk about these things, that they're just a fact of life. And it's almost disproportionate how little preparation you have when going through them to how much uh, like tiptoeing around talking about it exists. And that signature candor paired with The humor and irreverence and self-awareness she injects into everything she does is what makes her just an absolutely magical human. And I'm so, so honored and excited to have her on the podcast today. And I saw that TED Talk uh, a while back and eventually found out she listens to my podcast, which is like the craziest thing ever for somebody you look up to, especially that is in the space of the spoken and written word to co-sign anything I'm doing is like all the reassurance I ever needed. Uh, I just really appreciate her, not only in her professional career, but also as a friend and general champion of other women. But another reason I really am excited to have Nora on this week is because, you know, we're in a really weird year entering the holiday season, right? And there's just so much faking it that goes along with the holidays. And, like, we don't all feel holly jolly. Uh, So many of us are just trying to, like, you know, power through our traditions, hoping that they mask our realities but sometimes that disconnect almost makes it harder and I think it's important to be, be realistic and to go easy on ourselves and entering into this holiday season to well I'm going to quote Nora from an op-ed she did in the New York Times a couple of weeks ago she said sometimes it is better to observe your sorrow than a bank holiday <laughs> and, um, actually I love this opinion piece she wrote I'm gonna let me read a little bit of it to you and I promise we'll get to the episode but Um, All that to say, I just, you know, I think there's something to be said about acknowledging and leaning into your truth and and living it, whether you're holly and jolly, or you're feeling sad. Uh, I think that sometimes the emotional labor of trying to pretend or act like we are doing okay, is the last thing a person who's not doing okay needs. And I don't know, I just don't want anybody to feel forgotten about. There's a lot of holly jolly turtle creek lane enchanted forest decorating your home with candies you don't eat because you keep your family on a strict no sugar diet nonsense out there that makes you feel like you should be holly and jolly but this year isn't normal nothing feels normal we don't know what next year looks like and i don't want to be daunting i don't want to be a downer especially on a day when Honestly, it's only up from here because, much to my surprise, after sleeping in, Taylor Swift announced she's dropping another album, the sister album to the brother that is Folklore. And I wasn't effing around when I said we need, you know, we wanted to folk more because Folklore is actually the mashup couple name of her two albums, Folklore and Evermore. And I'm excited. Slash, I really wish I had a better I grasp on her content calendar because it does affect my work schedule, and I will be staying up all night. But that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> Anyway, you guys, I love this episode. It's um, fun and light, but it's also deep and thought-provoking, and it's all the things, and I could talk to her all day long, and I just think she is absolutely brilliant and talented, and I hope to continue to see her crush it, because you know, even though I don't think she identifies necessarily as self-help, you guys know how I feel about the self-help authors of the world, the ones that so are the Rachel Hollises of the world that... Provide bed in a bag uh, solutions that are often presenting overly simplified methodologies and quick fixes to problems that will never work, that kind of prey on vulnerable people's desire for a quick fix. And I think oftentimes the author, despite knowing that this is not a realistic quick fix and, or is very specific to the, you know, situation and privilege they come from, they still profit and maximize on that vulnerability on that desire and produce so very little uh, in terms of effectiveness uh, and people that are actually doing great work and actually trying to help people or people like Nora. And I'm sure she's like annoyed and blushing that I'm <laughs> saying all this, but like, truly I-, I want people to think about their sources and, um how the human experience there so many aspects of it are just incredibly difficult and it kind of is what it is and people that seem to be able to transverse these impossible unpredictable uncomfortable phases of life with ease and sell and some sort of package that you can do it too it's utter nonsense and i want to support to the end of time people like nora that are using their platforms to be a space for people to feel less alone who are going through something difficult not putting pressure on them to move past it or do something with it but rather giving them the permission that she'll acknowledge they never needed but should have, fully have to just experience their own sorrow You have the right to be sad you have the right To feel any way you want to on a given day because something awful happened to you, and I feel like that normalizing of these you know terrible things is incredibly important. And anyway, you guys, I could ramble about Nora all day, but you know since my episodes are longer and people uh, listen to them piecemeal, I want I do want to read this a little bit of this to you, especially if you're um, having trouble this holiday season or just adjusting to you know, the ways in which the the world is different or if you've lost somebody or whatever it may be. Um, she talks about how on Thanksgiving after her husband died that uh, her siblings and her mother and her uh, spent that uh, Thanksgiving, like gathered around a table pretending like it was a normal holiday. Um, and she says, my family wanted that Thanksgiving to be a holiday miracle that transported us from our bruising reality back into the normal world we had taken for granted. We qu- quickly realize that grief does not concern itself with your social calendar and that sometimes it's better to observe your sorrow than a bank holiday. This year, many may be in a similar position. Over 250,000 Americans have died of COVID-19. People have lost jobs and homes and marriages, have had their lives and livelihoods upended. But whether it's pressure to celebrate or a natural desire to get back to normalcy, nobody is obligated to participate in the ho- holiday cheer. It's always been 100% optional, and in 2020, you don't even need to make up an excuse. Looking back on the Thanksgiving after Aaron died, I don't regret spending that time with my family, but I do regret how we spent it. She goes on to say, our performance hadn't brought us closer together. It made us feel even lonelier than we already did. What we needed was not a passable performance of gratitude, but the acknowledgement of the pain we were all silently holding inside of ourselves. Our Thanksgiving dinner hadn't eased our grief, but amplified it. Going around the table to recite our gratefuls, we dutifully named each other basic necessities and the food before us. We kept to the script, said a prayer, scooped up second helpings and pretended to be the family we'd been before we all wish we'd spent that thanksgiving creating a new version of the holidays that matched our emotional landscape we could have watched the marvel movies in chronological order or even just laid face down on the kitchen floor for a few few hours i wish we'd had the guts to say out loud how bad we all felt how terrible it all was i wish we simply had simply opted out of that year's holiday season had pretended it just wasn't happening instead of pretending it was all okay I know from personal experience that nobody wants to put down roots in sadville but you do need to pass through it our grief and our gratitude are not in competition with one another they do not cancel each other out we need space for each of them always but especially now i have goosebumps i she took that sentence takes me to church and in a world where some people say nonsensical statements that completely undermine the entire point of honoring one's own mental health like interrupt gratitude with anxiety we need more people like Nora reminding us of very important reality of two things being true at once of saying yes and of our grief and gratitude not being in competition with one another allow yourself to feel in many different ways at once i for one feel thrilled for this second album we're getting from taylor swift tonight but i also feel sad that i am not going to sleep but then I also am like, it's your fault. No one cares and no one asked you to do anything about the album and you're putting this on yourself. It's okay to feel a lot of different ways, you guys. Uh, so be sure to check patreon.com Be There in Five for whatever I will do with the Taylor Swift album, just because I'm not going to be able to put out like a polished, polished proper iTunes episode. So I usually do the riskier content on Patreon. I also dropped um, merch this week, which is exciting. And we have fun stuff that whether it just says Be There in Five has the old logo, the Lady in the bathtub on top of the five that everybody thinks is a laying down dinosaur or a Guy Fieri flavor town moment. I don't know. For two years, nobody knew my logo was a woman laying in a bathtub texting to her friends. She'll be there in five, sitting on a, a five. And like, what? <laughs> I still never will get over that. Um, but before we rebrand, I wanted to offer a with the old logo. But we also have fun things like minimalist sweatshirts and tees that say like going out top, for example. Uh, live, laugh, love, lurk. Uh, be there in five uh and it has one of my favorite reviews on it um which is and i quote too long needs co-host so i I like to honor everyone's opinion what can i say (laughs) all right you guys we'll have a couple ads get into the episode i hope you love it thank you to nora i'll catch you on the flip side bye i think maybe one of the reasons i'm so upset about you know not sleeping tonight given taylor Swift's surprise drop album is because i love my helix mattress so much and as i have told you guys we need to uh, this holiday season at the very least you know Many people are in my specific age group and demographic and, you know, we're established in our careers. We can maybe spend a little bit on something we use, I don't know, every day, like a mattress. But then at the same time, we're at the age where we cannot afford for the back pain and misery that is sleeping on a springtastic trundle bed at our loved one's home should, you know, our, our health, our testing, our state and local guidelines allow for responsible travel. So I've been encouraging everybody around me to give themselves the gift of sending themselves a mattress to their parents' house, their sister's house, where, wherever you'd like to go for all the holiday season. It's the gift that keeps on giving. So if you don't need a mattress at your house, consider being the most aggressive house guest of all time and sending a mattress to yourself to use this holiday season. In all seriousness, though, the like even my sister who is the hottest most uncomfortable sleeper who just got a helix mattress she's been singing the praises of the dusk which she matched with which i also happen to have much ru- must run in the family because you can go to helix sleep.com so slash be there in five by the way and you can take their two minute sleep quiz and they'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life they will ask you if you're like a, a side sleeper a stomach sleeper a hot sleeper you like plush or firm what your partner prefers there's no can fusion and there's no more compromising on an average mattress with uh, helix's uh, proprietary quiz that allows you to find the perfect mattress for you it, it sounds scary to order a mattress that you're going to sleep on every night that you've never sat on uh but I, not only do i have several anecdotal examples of this quiz being highly effective do you don't listen to me uh both gq and wired magazine said helix sleep was awarded the number one best overall mattress pick of 2019 it's truly the best mattress company the best matching system with the quiz and the highest quality bed i've ever slept on i am such a fan again i have the dusk in case you're curious uh, but anyways please 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 just try it out go to helixsleep.com be there in five and take their two minute sleep quiz and they're offering up to 200 off all mattresses all mattress orders and two free pillows sorry i just read that and got excited <laughs> for be there and five listeners it's awesome thanks helix uh, at helixsleep.com be there in five so Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com be there in five. That's Helix, H-E-L-I-X sleep.com be there in five for up to $200 off and two free pillows. Thanks to Helix. Our next sponsor is one I love and give out to anybody I can because I just think it's a great tasting product that actually has helped my deeply dehydrated soul. And it is liquid IV. Whether you're planning on, you know, flying, going on a long road trip, maybe drinking a little too much. No matter your plans, liquid IV can help support your immune system with increased hydration and essential vitamins. And much to my delight, it now has three new flavors. One is guava. Guava is the most underrated flavor on the planet, and I was thrilled when they sent me some guava. But they also have a comforting apple pie and watermelon, which is really exciting too, especially for Harry Styles fans. (laughs) Liquid IV. Uh, It's got more vitamin C than an orange and as much potassium as a banana. It contains five essential vitamins, and it's healthier than sugary sports drinks with no artificial flavors or preservatives and less sugar than an apple. It has clean ingredients, non GMO, vegan, free of gluten, dairy, and soy, and its cellular transport technology gives you the optimal ratio of glucose, sodium, and potassium to deliver water and nutrients into the bloodstream so one 16 ounce glass of water with a pack of liquid iv gives you as much hydration as two to three bottles of plain water that's so cool i'm a huge huge fan i legitimately drink it every single day it's available at walmart in the beverage section uh but it's also if you want to get 25 percent off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code be there and five at checkout you can get 25 percent off anything you order when you use promo code be there and five at liquidiv.com Get better hydration today at liquidiv.com promo code be there five and don't forget these codes are always in the episode notes and we also put them on be there in five podcasts Instagram are right, you guys now on to Nora okay all right everybody I'm so excited because we have somebody incredibly special on the podcast, whose who, who's standard job titles don't seem to do justice. Uh, she's an author of books you've definitely heard of, like um, It's Okay to Laugh, Crying is Cool Too, Hot Young Widows Club, No Happy Endings, Bad Moms. She's got an insanely um, successful podcast that I weaseled my way onto a few weeks ago called Terrible Thanks for Asking. It charts like every week, I don't know if you've noticed. Uh, she's also a social entrepreneur and a founder of Still Kickin', a non that I've talked about here on the podcast that provides a safety net for uh, people who find themselves going through awful things and gives them uh, financial grants with no strings attached to get through what they're going through, which I absolutely love. And last year, kind of coincidentally, I came across her TED talk that went viral that, that and I was blown away completely by her her candor and humor and kind of effortless clarity in the way she spoke about grief. And I started to become a fan and unbeknownst to me, she somehow stumbled across my podcast separately. And our internet friendship began over a simple DM when she said, Kate, I am your biggest fan. No, really, I am one. Please welcome to the Be There in Five podcast, Nora McInerney.
0: <laughs> that was the best introduction to myself that I have ever read or read, heard. I was not reading it. I was hearing it with my ears. I was reading it with my ears. It was so good. Thank you. Um, it's true. I've been, I've been Kate Kennedy's biggest fan because I just know I'm taller than Greg. Okay. <laughs> I just know it. You are. I just know it. Okay. <laughs> you are,
1: and I appreciate a fellow... Uh, tall girl comment and I just like as I was gauging on Instagram today I just have theories about growing up as a tall person how it affects your personality and I swear I connect with people and I'm not that I'm 5'9 but like
0: you know if you're 5'9 when you're 12 it's tall oh I was 5'9 when I was 12 and I was like oh and there were a couple of us but I kept going I kept going, okay? <laughs> All of you stayed five nine. You stayed a socially acceptable height. And then by freshman year, I was six feet tall. I was never going to be in the front row of a photo. I was never going to do, you know, the cute squat. Not going to happen. I will mm. be looming in the back, always looking like you're someone's mom. Always.
1: I think that it's a funny thing where... Uh, My obsession is like I I swear it affected my language and I was asking people on Instagram, if you are over 5'8", do you call pajamas jammies? Because I feel like because and I don't know if it's a height thing. I don't know if that's like the right uh, data science to put behind this experiment. But like, I think cutesy words are kind of reserved for cutesy people.
0: Pocket (laughs) pocket girls. Okay, Yeah. Pocket girls. No, I say pajamas. I'm like, I am putting on or as my uh, youngest child calls them night clothes. Which I love night
1: I actually love that <laughs> I think like the nap dress night clothes oh really have a the chance. nap
0: dress there's so much white nonsense on the internet but I have to say nap dress this summer took the cake for me I was like it's a f- nightgown okay it's a $200 it's... nightgown any dress can be a nap dress if you fall asleep in it okay it's right right I, I got a it, whole closet it, full of it, nap it... dresses <laughs>
1: I know. In the fact that the owner so openly when she talks about her innovation on the nap dress and like as the person that innovated on the doormat, you know, you're in trouble when I'm saying I think your thing is weird. Um, She was like, I just really feel like we need to take back the narrative of the Victorian ghost. Um, that has been working hard all day, and like hand, she was like, "I, I think about the woman hand wringing and I just want to empower her." And I'm like, "What are you talking? About? Like, it's uh, they look cute on some people, but it, I think the branding, the brand storytelling, going, trying to like take back the narrative of the Victorian ghost is like a little bit much for me.
0: It's a little bit much. The price point, a little bit much. The story, a little bit much. The flutter sleeve, a little too much. I also, am a chaotic sleeper." So I can't have something. It feels like it would be too loose and too restricting at the same yes, time. Yes.
1: You know, I agree. Like, I agree. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I just, was
1: talking about nap dresses on the live show. My point was like, what? Like, okay, if a ghost is going to haunt you, why are they always from the Victorian ages? And like, why can't somebody haunt you in a juicy tracksuit?
0: That's what our Wouldn't children be will be charming? haunted by. Our children will be haunted <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. Young women in juicy right. tracksuits and in like Jesus is my homeboy t-shirts that show midriff uh, and with a with <sighs> a, with a Von Dutch trucker hat. Uh, three things I coveted so, so deeply, so deeply. I wanted so badly to be that kind of girl. Um, and something that, you know, I really resonate with, Kate, is all of your... <laughs> <laughs> Little inside joke, guys. Uh, it is is all of your fashion posts from like you know the twenty tens? Um, it it like it really is a moment in time that I don't know when you're in it. You you, you we didn't see it when we were in it. We were like, this is cute, no. this is classic. And now I look back, I'm like, everyone was wearing a chevron nightgown and and right. calling it a dress and maxi skirts maxi skirts (laughs) everyone's wearing like first you take a long tank top and you pull it down over your butt and then you layer a slightly shorter tank top and then you put Mm. on a a tight cardigan and you unbutton the top three buttons and there's your outfit it's
1: it's just yeah if you're you're the town bicycle you unbutton those top three (laughs) but (laughs)
0: just kidding if you splash out on a water bra you are you're doing that okay
1: (laughs) right I think the way the best way I've heard that we dressed, um, I was reading an article and it said up until 2010, you just dressed like your locker. And then after that, Pinterest came around and you like developed taste and style. And and Mm -hmm. I was like, wow. Yeah, it it really there was no inspo before Pinterest that like you followed outside of the people in your immediate group that did the Mm -hmm. stupid things you did. And layering was where it's at. Tunics, statement necklaces. Tunics. I mean, we weren't really overthinking uh, it.
0: Is it a dress or is it a shirt? It's, for uh, it's, for it's it's a tall gal,
1: this is a present dilemma.
0: <laughs> it, is, it, is an, it, is a, it is a forever dilemma. I feel like the place that I got any sort of style inspiration was two things. Um, it was only romantic comedies. Um, which on which then I would base my entire personality. So, uh, how to lose a guy in 10 days, obviously hugely inspirational. I want to wear big men's jeans rolled down
1: while mm. they're still
0: buttoned. Cause that's how thin I am. No bra and a cropped, you know, a shirt. Uh, that mm-hmm. was a style. Um, and then the only other place that we could get fashion inspiration, Aside from sort of maybe like gossip books, it was just also like the height of celebrity gossip. And so mm-hmm. I would I would come home from the grocery store in college with uh, several things, a bag of frozen chicken breast. That's all we ate. Mm-hmm. It's just disgusting. It's like the only like it's called yeah, clean it's eating. You put it on. a <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now it's called clean eating. At the time, it was like, what can you do with salsa and a <laughs> chicken breast and like a foreman? <laughs> The oh my God. Oh my God. Um, and, and a stack of shitty magazines. And I would be like, let's dig in, let's right. dig in and see what our friend Paris is doing. And right. Do I need a, do I need a spray tan? Are those, have those reached the Midwest yet? How does she do it? How does she do it?
1: Truly. And the, um, the, the, for your how to lose a guy in 10 days comment, um, I, I, Andy Anderson, how to girl was very formative for me too. But um, her look that really stood out to me was that khaki pencil skirt and that button down Oxford she wore in the big city in the opening scene. I remember thinking, I could rock some business casual. Uh, but I wasn't in a place in my life yet for a pencil skirt. Honestly, ne- I never got
0: there. I- pencil skirts are oh. tough. They're a little sex secretary for me. I just let them me. all go. <laughs> I-, I just let them all go. I was like, we can-, we can stop pretending. I had a conversation with my friend Brandy where – we were talking about how just like beautifully elegant Kate Blanchett is. And Brandy looked at me and said, isn't it wild to know that will never be us? <laughs> I was like, what? She's like, like, it's sale. Like, that's not us. But like that exists. And she is that. But it will never be us. And I was like, yeah. And I came home and ripped down. We are in my closet. I had pencil skirts left over from when I had a job. And I was like, someday, you know, I was like, sometimes right. oh, like, if I'm doing a speaking event, like who wants to take very small steps when you're like, six foot one and you know, like it's just not, it's just like, it's, it's a scuttle. The, the steps are small. It's a scuttle. It's so <laughs> terrible. And also they don't hit me at the right place. They hit me at like the meatiest part of the knee. No one's ever mm. like, wow, that looks great. But I am, I have a, an amazing kind of body dysmorphia where any, I can look at anyone and say i look like them. Anyone, anyone mm. that i think is cute, i'm like that's me, that's my body, i can wear that. So, uh, like i i i saw Beyonce in concert. I was like, there, look at that's my body <laughs> being mirrored back to me. I see <laughs> I see i see a 16-year-old like Slovakian model wearing, you know, a, clothes like a like a coat hanger and i'm like that's me. I could wear that. I just have no i will go into a vintage store and come out with like pet- size petites and be like, huh, so weird, it doesn't fit. Like, this is... <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> looks, looks, it it looks right on the rack. Like, that looks like it would be the size of my body. Um, And so it's really, like, I don't know, I don't know what it is. But yeah, I can look at anything and be like, no, 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 I will look exactly like that person. And then you, you come to find out, no, I also, Kate, senior year of college, I dyed my hair jet black. Why? The album of the year in my own personal, geez, Louise, who opened the door when a blender was going off (laughs) this kid what are you doing it's a blender one one thing i
1: i forgot to ask you earlier um because i i did my like top line intro but i'm i feel like you're similar to me in that you have like a bit of a like it's it's hard to describe your career quickly like you have a bit of a I'm windy shed. road. And I, and when people are like tell my, me about your personal hell. <laughs>
0: yeah. I'm like I'm like I refuse.
1: Yeah. Get a life. Okay. No. Well right, it's like I, when people ask me I'm like do you have a minute? Like because I just don't want to be accused of wasting your time with this windy ass story, but I feel like you have a very interesting career arc that if you wouldn't mind sharing uh, um
0: yeah. in your own words, yeah, I would love I to hear. Yeah, when people are like yeah. Your own listeners are probably like, wait, who is this woman? Okay. And also, there is no question I hate more when meeting a new person that is like, hey, like, so what do you do? I'm like, I what (laughs) do you do? (laughs) They're
1: like, I am a CPA. And you're like, oh.
0: Nobody asks you questions (laughs) when you say you're an accountant. Exactly. Precisely. (laughs) Where do you work? (laughs) Yes. Uh, Which I think, I don't know how, my youngest child got obsessed with accountants a while ago, and he was... He'd be like, we have to go outside and find an accountant. <laughs> we're like, okay, all right. He's Or we're like, let's go find an accountant. Send like, him mine. He's a YouTube star now. He's probably, you know, probably already, my kids are out there just watching, watching uh, tax content and just getting educated. We, um, okay, so what do I do? How did I get here? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh. So I have a podcast called Terrible Thanks for Asking. I've written three nonfiction books, uh, It's Okay to Laugh, Crying is Cool Too, No Happy Endings, and The Hot Young Widows Club. I was a, I was a person who worked in advertising and marketing until like 2015, technically. I was still employed by then. Um, but I worked in, in PR um, first in New York City, uh, I wanted to be a writer, but I did not have a point of view or any drive. Mm. And unfortunately, <laughs> yeah, darn it. I was like, but I'm good at it. And um, if you just tell me what to care about, I w- the passion will come through. Uh, but I yeah, I was just like, you know, really a a, a real blank slate uh, for I don't know, maybe a lot of reasons, maybe because I had, had like one boyfriend from high school to college, like maybe because I just was very used to like many you know, sort of gifted girls are just following a syllabus, getting a gold star and like moving on versus like getting really, you know, that that sort of reward system had started to very, very early on in life erode my sense of who I was and what I was interested in because I was also like a weird kid like I got my American Girl doll a little too old I got you know I was playing Easy Bake Oven in eighth grade (laughs) like my like I was my favorite my favorite historical figure was Eleanor Roosevelt and I was reading her biographies Mm. until about ninth grade and then I was like oh wait I'm supposed to be doing other I'm supposed to be just something else someone else that's not the question. Holy shit, Kate. This is how hard this question is for me.
1: I'm 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 so in I'm invested. And I identify with so much of this. I'm taking mental notes.
0: Yeah, it's like I I just was always so envious of people who knew what they wanted to do. I knew that I was a good writer. I I was like a paid writer by the time I was in 6th grade. I had a column in our local newspaper that I pitched myself. I What was it called? Uh it was called Nora's Corner. Oh, obviously, I have the I have the I have the author photo, and I look identical to now. People thought I was an adult because it's a black and white photo like that, um, and I had the same haircut. I just got bangs again because that's my mental state, and um, same haircut, same haircut as sixth grade. So, uh, I went to I went to college. Did I choose a college with any idea of who I wanted to be? No, I chose a college, and I ended up at an okay college that I had had no feelings about. And it was fine, I guess. It was fine. And I was an English major because I took one, you know, communications class and was like, I'm going to claw my eyes out. This is so dull and meaningless and uh, who cares? And I also had no academic confidence in myself because I went to an okay high school and then was dropped into like an honors program at, at college where kids had like gone to like real prep schools mm. and like knew, already knew Latin. And so taking Latin 101 in college was not, it, it, I wasn't supposed to come with no knowledge, it turns out. So I was really, really floundering, did not know who to be, how to be, um, and, and partially inspired by how to lose a guy in 10 days. I did move to New York City after I graduated. <laughs> Me too. And I was like, <laughs> I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. it. How hard can it be? Extremely. Um extremely. And I ended up working at a PR agency and I had uh then another one and then another one and each one was just sort of like a, I cannot wait for that to be a novel that I write. Mm. I cannot wait for that to be because it was I remember seeing The Devil Wears Prada in theaters on a summer Friday that I had off and crying because I was like oh, she beat me to it. Like my life is that bad, only less fancy. <laughs> like, right? The, I'm being mentally abused by my boss. Like the agency life leaves little to be desired, but it sure
1: seems exciting.
0: Uh, it seems so exciting, and then you're like, "Whoa!" Uh, uh, there's a there's a an intern having a literal physical breakdown, like a panic attack on the floor of the bathroom because she didn't get the shampoo samples to Allure Mm. Magazine in Time to be considered for the best of beauty uh, 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 issue. And we all know that's the only way that people choose their shampoos. So (laughs) rest in peace.
1: (laughs) You almost have to, there's a level of delusion that the corporate world requires about the level of importance what you're doing is, or otherwise you can't operate. Yes.
0: You can't operate. You cannot you have to you have to truly believe that when someone sends you a 911 email that like you are a doctor answering the call about this uh, display ad. Mm-hmm. You, you, that's that's how I felt. And I, I couldn't hack it in New York, Moved back to Minnesota um, through nepotism, got a job at an agency where my mom worked. Um, and then uh, although I did have an offer at another agency, which I'm glad I didn't take because that's where my future husband worked. And I knew I would not date somebody at work because I'd never worked with men, period. I'd always worked with all women and I was so so grossed out at the idea of dating anyone at work because I'd never even worked with a man in a professional capacity till I was like twenty six and I was like, Oh, I know why people hate this. <laughs> I, I get it. 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 Cool. 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 Now I guess that was your idea. You talk. You talk. You know you were you were gonna go after me, but you should just talk over me instead. Uh, God, I was so depressed. I was so miserable. And then I met this amazing dude and he worked in advertising. He was, as you know, um, there are two categories of people, creatives and then uh, peons. And I was a peon and he was a creative, but he did not take himself seriously at all. Like he was like, well, yeah, no, I guess I, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm an art director. Like, but he just had fun with it, like yeah. he did his work. But his sense of self was so outside of that, and he was so comfortable in himself. And I was so uncomfortable in myself. And just seeing him like move through the world. The first night I met him, we were at uh, uh, an art gallery. And I'd gone with all my cousins, who were my only friends, and uh, it was in their dad's old photo studio. It had been his photo studio. He's a photographer for like thirty years. It's the first time we're stepping into it, as somebody else has taken it over. And like Aaron just like walked up right up to us, like just walked right up to us. And Kate, you would have loved him. You would have much preferred to interview him. He was so smart, had such knowledge of pop culture. And we had been sort of like following each other on Twitter. And I knew he loved Taylor Swift. Unironically, this is two thousand ten. Wow. And and I have that uh, issue somewhere in my closet, but uh, I handed him the Taylor Tells All issue, you know, where she like breaks down what songs are about what guys, and he was like, yes, like, and we like read it together there, like, <laughs> that's so just, sweet, <laughs> just immediately, and he just made everybody feel like, oh, like you're here, so like now it's a party, like you belong here, mm. even if you are. And I walk into a room and I'm like, where is the quickest place for me to, you know, Alex Mack into a radioactive puddle and slip away. And he just was so, so comfortable. And um, I don't know, we just had like this really wonderful relationship. But also he like got me to make things again. Like I had not written anything in forever. I had like sort of set that aside. And he was like, no, no, you're you're a writer. Like you write something. And I started writing Like little articles for, you know, blogs, 2010, and uh, getting paid like 20 bucks a pop and feeling good. And he read them all. Like he read them all. And they were on like women's websites that nobody read. And he read them uh, and like read them beforehand, read them like during, like would like G chat me all day and be like, I haven't seen a new one. Isn't it coming out today? Um, and made me feel like I was like my ideas were worth hearing and that like I did have have something to say. And uh, we were together for a year and then I got a call at work that he had a seizure and he was being taken to an ambulance and they wanted to know where they should take him. And I was like, that's a, is that a girlfriend question? <laughs> like, right. Like I I don't know his mom's number at this point. Like we've met a few times. Um I just moved in with him. My family doesn't know that. And I was like, take him to." I like look around. My boss is like, Abbott Northwestern. I was like, that one. And I went there and I saw him in the in the ER and he, uh, you know, was like shaking. And I was like, oh my God. And he was like, I got you. He was faking a seizure to trick me. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> and, it was, and it was 2011, November 2011. We just got this thing called Instagram three mm. months ago. And, you know, we have either, I think four followers apiece. And he's like, "You got to take a picture of me." You know, I got to put it up. I got to put it up." And, uh, so it's like heavily filtered. Like, we just thought it was like we were young. i was twenty seven. he was thirty one. Like, we just didn't think that it was serious. Like we just didn't right. think it was a big deal. Mm-hmm. And it was a huge deal. He had a huge brain tumor, and it was, Stage four glioblastoma, which is really bad, and you're probably like, when are you going to talk about work? We will get there, listener. We will get there because (laughs) all of – I mean, the life that I have now is – would have been unimaginable to me then because, one, I just did not think of myself as a person who could do anything other than what she was told to do. I. I, I, d- I did one of those, like, vision and goals worksheets that uh, you can download from, like, Lululemon at the time. Like, I was at a studio and they are handing them out. And, Kate, like, my goals were, like, like get a promotion in this company I don't like, to keep doing this job I don't like. And it was, like, 10-year goal. Be a different – be th- – have two job two promotions in the same job that I don't like and maybe I guess how old would that make me I guess I should have kids at that time but I don't know um and at some point I should like it just I had no goals I had no vision I just wanted somebody to tell me what to do and Aaron got sick and that night they told us that he had a brain tumor and I like turned to him and I was like we're getting married and we're getting married the minute you leave this hospital that's what's happening and people who knew me were like, don't do that. He's going to die. You know, (laughs) like, don't, he's going to be sick. And I was like, right. But, um, which I get and don't get, but I don't know. I just, I, I did not need to be told what to do. Mm -hmm. Like I did not need to be told like what was going to happen. I just knew that I was in the right place and that we would, we would do whatever it was together. And, Work-wise, that meant that I did leave agency and I went client side to see like, okay, is that gonna be better? Is that gonna be like, you know, people venerate that? They're like, Well, client side, it's the client, you know. <laughs> I'm sorry, are you on client side? Oh. Right. Um <laughs> and the money is better. The money's is. better, the life is better. Uh, but it also was, you know, it was it was the same stuff, and I would have been fine. But, um, and Aaron kept his job and he was happy and we were married for three years and he died. And that really came, came up quickly guys, but it did, it was quick. It was quick and it wasn't. And, uh, I could not go back to work. I could not do it. I really couldn't. And I did not have like FMLA leave. I did not have, you know, a whole lot of, cushion we had no money he had no health insurance life insurance we had health insurance but like does not matter in america it's still still gonna get a bill and um i just couldn't do it i couldn't do anything i just could not do anything that looked like anything i had imagined for myself because the world that i had allowed myself to believe could exist definitely wouldn't Mm -hmm. so i stopped going to work and then they stopped wanting to pay me mm. which, which is absolutely fair. <laughs> <laughs> it's tough when you decide to stop it's, doing something and <laughs> it's it is tough when you're like here's the thing am I am I contributing? No. And do I see myself returning for my belongings even? Mm. No. I don't. And uh, uh, and that was such a strange and irrational decision because I had a child and a mortgage. And um, I had also, with Aaron, we're getting there, guys. We're getting to my career. Uh, Aaron and I had written his obituary together. And we'd written it the night that he entered hospice. And it was like every other thing that we collaborated on. So natural. And it was obviously also horrible, but he was so funny. And I was typing and he was talking. We were like riffing off each other. And when I sent it to the newspaper, I did not think that they would publish it, but it is an advertisement for your death. So they will publish literally whatever you write. And um, it was expensive. I did not spare the word count. Um, and it went really viral. Twenty fourteen viral was different. I need you guys to like take a minute to go back to that simpler time when like you were on like the iPhone four, mm, maybe. Mm-hmm. You know, like your iPhone still had like a like a a, a beveled edge.
1: You right, know, right. Um
0: It was it was small and dense. I might have well, I might do I have an example for the audience at home. You're really you're gonna have to use your imagination. Okay, it looked like a very small just. Small. We were still we like were still an iPod. Really excited about small phones. It looked like an iPod. Yeah. And um with the glass on the back. Yes. Remember there are two ways to break it. A two real ways to break jack. it.
1: This is even mm-hmm. before like uh, Yanny Laurel the dress viral. This is uh, like when memes kind of yeah, just started yes. happening.
0: Yeah. Yeah, like this is like David after dentist era. Okay, this is this is uh, you know, chocolate and rain, <laughs> chocolate rain. There, there were going to be, there's like, there were going viral was not like a oh, every 10 seconds on TikTok, a, a new child goes viral. <laughs> it right. was every time an angel sings, uh, TikTok, uh, every time, okay, uh. So his obituary went viral, and a lot of people started to read my writing. I had started this, you know blog very, very 2011 uh, called my husband's URL that was available for 999 mm. $9 and informative and um, really got the job done. And through that, this is why whenever people are like, give me advice on, I'm like, you don't want advice from me because I will tell you exactly how I became a published author. I wrote an obituary with my husband. It went viral. Uh, An agent reached out to me uh, and said, you should write a book in a couple of years. And I was like, how about now, which is also what? Uh, But again, I didn't have a job. And I also wanted to write something that reflected the truth about what I was experiencing, which is that I did not have a a comfortable perspective of looking back at something ten years later and being like, "Oh, and look at where it led me." Mm. I was like, "Where am I? Like, where am I?" And being in something is also a perspective. <laughs> like, even if you even if your eyes are crossed because you can't see what's in front of you, you have a perspective. And we we uh, sold that book to Harper Collins and. Before the book came out, I was like, oh, my God, I d- still don't have a job. I have to make up a job. And so I had a whole inbox of people who had messaged me after the the obituary, people who just wanted to tell their story to another person who had been through something. And I sent out a tweet and I said, who in Minnesota makes podcasts? And because uh, God forbid I Google it. If I saw that tweet, I'd be like, F you Google it. But... Uh, People connected me to this guy, Hans, who worked at American Public Media, which, unbeknownst uh, to me, uh, was located in St. Paul, Minnesota. So I went there and I pitched them this idea and I said, I'm just going to talk to regular people about the worst things in their life. And they were like, why would anyone want to hear that? And I was like, let's see. So we made 10 episodes and then we made, uh, you know, 20 episodes. And now we have, I think, 200 episodes. And I've been doing that for uh, four years now which I think kind of catches us up to speed. That covers books, that covers podcasts, that covers I did not talk about. But like all these things that I was doing, I wasn't thinking like, oh, like, what is my career? I was just trying to do something that made sense in the moment. And that's to my – that that has greatly harmed me, by the way. (laughs) Like I've heard you say like, don't quit your job without a plan. And I remember at the time being like, why? Who cares? The worst things have already happened. Like, that's so dumb, Nora. Like, that was not a sensible, mentally healthy person talking. That was, like, a deeply unwell person <laughs> talking. It was like, it'll all be fine. Like, starting Still Kicking, um, which is based on Aaron's favorite T-shirt, we um, we replicated it and we put it online and sold it. And we, we just give the money to somebody who needs it. How hard could that be? My accountant was like, did you collect sales tax? Did you Google how to run a business in any way? Was, right. No. <laughs> no. And the money's gone. We gave it away. What is so hard to understand? And she was like, everything you do is hard to understand. <laughs> so
1: See, it just doesn't sound to me. It's Ugh. like, do you honestly look back on all of that? And like, I feel like there's something so important about, however that instinct looks against another yardstick yeah being very true to your own instincts however disjointed they are relative to Mm -hmm. other people's decisions weirdly lands you where you're supposed you're supposed to be I think as lofty as that is yeah
0: well you were saying in another episode or maybe it was on an Instagram live like you know I I I bring things up to people once I have a proof of concept because anyone can nitpick an idea, Mm -hmm. you know, but once you've already started doing something, like what's Greg going to be like, oh, yeah, you're going to make a podcast, you know, (laughs) you're like, yeah, no, I did it, you know, Um, and not like your husband would talk to you that way. But the point is, uh, I always, I loved living by committee. Like I would, uh, and and if I knew all the things that could go wrong with all the things I've done, I would not do anything. I would not do anything. And so- i love i love to start things and so and I guess I don't really consider things that don't work out a failure I'm just like oh I did it and now I know I just have more information I just have more information but um and then I just think back to i mean decades of me not doing things like not trying not like just like waiting to be told where I should go next and what I should do and I'm just like oh my god it just hurts to see. It just know. hurts to see that. Ugh. Uh.
1: I love what you said, too, about um, the like writing your book in real time, because I, I, I I'm fascinated by how much stock people put in, like the rose colored retrospect, if you will, of um, experts that have been through certain things when people in the middle and the thick of it are the ones that need to be reached the most to almost could get intimidated by that level of self-actualization or peace with a situation that is quite traumatic in real time. And I, I don't know, I think it's really, um, it, it's kind of, white space isn't the word, but like people buy books from experts, people listen to podcasts from people Mm -hmm. that have all these credentials, but like the people with the most valuable information aren't going to be these, heralded industry experts and I think so much of your success yeah. is in the expression of what you were going through in real time and talking to real people going through horrible things and even though it doesn't sound sunny like why does it need to I think it's like a that's kind of an interesting through line too is like you've talked about how like I'm a normal person who talks about grief um and it's confuses people that I'm if, if I have a sunny disposition yeah. right uh And I think that, like, that's that's what I think is so important about your career and your story and your arc is like, I am just quickly interrupting. No, not for an ad. Well, kind of. It's a self-promotional one. But I just want to remind you guys, the podcasting space can be a little bit cluttered. And I told myself I was going to start being better about asking you outright, desperately to share this episode if you do, in fact, like it. Uh, On your Instagram story, tell a friend, whatever it is. Word of mouth is really all we have in this podcasting space, and I'd love to stay employed. Uh, So if you wouldn't mind taking the time to do so, or leave a five-star review and, like, write a review, that'd be so cool. You can go on iTunes right now and do it, like, really fast. It would mean the world to me. I'm trying to get to 4,000 reviews. Okay, I'll let you go. As long as, in exchange for my brevity, you would share this podcast. I love you. Bye! You kind of have been able to capture a certain, like, Humanness and irreverence to this thing that everybody deals with in life in a way that doesn't have the pressure of needing to be perfect and polished as if a person going through yeah. those things needs that added to the host of things they're oh. going through. Do people come up to you and tell you their grief story or do you feel like you kind of are constantly yeah. in a feedback loop of semi-difficult scenarios?
0: Yeah, but I think as an HSP I've always been this person. Yeah. Like that's been happening to me since I was like a little girl. Mm. And I would be like, like what what about what about me makes a makes a grown woman want to tell me like the details of her divorce as she cuts my hair. I don't know. <laughs> but like I, I do think certainly like I have a I have a niche. Um, but I also sort of don't. And when you said like, oh, people buy like, you know, books from Uh, you know, experts or people that have had, I think we both know who's been a number one New York Times bestseller four times, who is literally not an expert in anything and (laughs) and has, yeah, like that shit. I'm like, I never want to be, I never want to be like a self help person. I never want to be, I want to present my experiences and not as a, not as like an example of how to do it, but just as a reference point for people. Mm -hmm. And I also want to help other people tell their stories because I do think that having, which is, you know, you, you do this too in like a, in a different way, but it's like no one person has the answer or the perspective. Like, like the the gray area is really where most of us live. And I think that, you know, part of w- like writing in the space that I do or even working in the space that I do means like that I will only ever, you know, achieve like a certain level of success because, The things that really, really do very, very well are simple and they don't ask a lot of you, Mm. you know, like, you know, telling somebody to, to, to wash their face or stop apologizing is, it's a very simple ask. Like, it's a very simple ask, which is like, it's your fault, (laughs) you know, like, you you know, like, uh, your life is your fault, which is like the, the worst thing that I've ever heard somebody, uh, say, um, or like, you know, it's. It's easier to be like extremely successful if you have like a very, very simple message. And I don't know what my message is other than I know life is really, really hard. Yeah. Like, I just know it's hard. I just know it's hard. That's it. Like, and that also it's not always going to feel like this. And I feel that way on good days. I I can say Yesterday was just like you know. I just like it was one of those days where like all the kids were getting along. They were like it was like a sitcom dinner. Like we sat down, like they're laughing at each I love other. A you know, dinner. like <laughs> oh I was like, oh my god, like you know, like the dogs are like you know running around, like the little guys like feeding the dog, like with like a little little wink. Um, it was just like such a perfect night. They went to bed. It's like uh, do you like know how it's all about like they made my life easy. <laughs> <laughs> just, I'm like,
1: tell me more. <laughs>
0: i don't even have kids i
1: need like nobody to cooperate in my household for me to be happy
0: (laughs) but it's like on days like that i used to i don't know like sometimes people are like are you just waiting for the other shoe to drop i'm like no because i just know it will so like i can enjoy a day like yesterday Mm. and just have a good day and also no in my head like that's temporary but also then when crazy stuff happens and we've had plenty of things that like I don't write about plenty of things have happened that don't make it on the podcast we had that kind of summer i was like also this will be the past at some point this is my right. present this is not my forever like and and we are through that part but doesn't mean like another thing's not coming up so um yeah i don't i i i don't call myself an expert in anything because i really I I really am just I don't know, um, like still a still a learner, which I think is uh you know, unsatisfying for mm. for some people. But um I would prefer I would prefer to stay in that space.
1: Yeah, I well and I think it's too easy it's um it it's too easily trivialized when people like express themselves in a format like a podcast or a book in the absence of some like clear obvious like merit or credibility but the flip side of that to me is like uh the ability in and of itself to communicate in a clear and concise and emotive way that tells your story is the skill and the 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 relatability of being a person that other people can relate to that isn't one of those experts is the important piece, and I think as the creators of the things that normal a normal person's doing, we're like, oh, this isn't important because of X Y Z, but I actually think, in my heart of hearts, it's the inverse, Uh, because Mm -hmm. it's you know not it's not for everybody to pour their heart out, it's not for everybody to lose their husband and job and to be going through the thick of it and to be expressive as a result. And I think it's so important for people that have the ability to do that, to do that, because it's that's what helps people. And the expertise is, is in the self-expression. And I think if when you're the product in your life is the story, it kind of is a weird thing that it evolves as you do. And it's kind of hard to say what's what's next or what's in the pipeline. But like, I think the confessional and the reverend and and, and, um, incredibly emotionally intelligent way you approach grief is is helpful and it's it's went viral also with a TED Talk. That's another piece of your career. I don't know mm-hmm. if I cut you off before you got to, but I feel like yeah. that was probably a
0: big No, moment. I just forget. I also forget about, like, what's...
1: Well, yeah. You know, well, like, and, was
0: that good? Like, should we talk? Yeah. yeah. And, like, when you're on the yeah, outside, is it's also, like, what
1: are you known for versus what do you know yourself for? Are two different things sometimes. Oh, yeah. I have
0: no idea. I have no idea. So that's so interesting to me, too. Uh, but, yeah, the TED Talk, I would say the most popular piece of writing I've ever written was that obituary uh and uh, like as far as the number of people have read it more people have read that obituary than have read all my books combined but the uh the ted talk again i was very trepidatious about about doing that i was very very frightened by the prospect of doing that they are such an outstanding group of people who you know i i had I sometimes when I'm writing or talking, like I'll, 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 I'll give away like 10 ideas in like one essay, you know, yeah. it's like, what is this about? I'm like, well, it's about all these 10 things. Just don't like it's like, OK, you could work on any of that. And that could be a whole book, but OK. Um, and the, the, the TED Talk was a little bit like that. But I do think of the TED Talk and of a lot of my work certainly in Terrible Thanks for Asking, as an act of passive aggression, uh, communication via passive aggression. Mm. And I'm, I made that TED Talk. I specifically wrote it in mind for everybody who feels so sad and so alone and so forgotten about in their grief to share and, and just, you know, maybe just like tag a family member and to mm. forward and say, it feels like this. This is what it feels like because it can be so hard to say those things when it is your own when it is your own grief when it is your own loss when you are in it it's so hard to you don't know what you need but you know when you're not getting it and it sort of creates this feedback loop where you're not getting it so you don't ask for it so people continue not to give it to you and then you keep not asking for it because obviously if people cared they would just know and do it right wrong and it's it's just it's such a terribly lonely thing and I, I felt like such, I don't know, going to TED and being around people who are extremely accomplished in a very traditional sense. Um, and then being like, I, I did a TED talk about, um, so did a TED talk about grief? And they're like, oh, like, are you a psychologist? I'm like, I'm a widow. Uh, but thank you. Um,
1: <laughs> right. Why do you have to be a psychologist?
0: <laughs> okay, we got a visitor again. Hello,
1: in. sir. No, I well, it's funny because I got water and my my young son tugboat is just all up in my grill hole, sit with me. Um, Stacey, you're very patient, truly. Don't worry. Stacy's
0: in here.
1: Oh my god, Stacy's in there. I think it's like it's. I love Stacy. She's in here somewhere.
0: <laughs> she's, she's having a tough time. She's
1: you very were depressed. You were you were saying that um, that when you were like oh we're at TED and people were like oh are you a psychologist.
0: Yeah. Or I don't know. I just, and a lot of this is like my own obvious like insecurity and like projection, but I just was like, why am I here? Like, why is this important? And so I think seeing seeing it do that well really did feel very, very, very good. It feels very good to see that do well because I was very um, uh, intimidated and felt, you know, like small. Like I was like, (laughs) I'm just a... (laughs) I'm a person who's, I'm just a person who's here. Right.
1: A person with incredible ability with words and to articulate and express yourself in a way that people can identify with, which is what I, I, I don't know. Like I, I watched that before we realized our internet friendship and I sent it to a few people. And it's funny that in that passive aggressive, the context of passive aggression, I actually really appreciate that because it kind of was like, like fuck all these things you guys think you know about grief like don't tell me to move on yeah don't tell me yeah. like like it's you know don't assume it's been a while so with anything's changed and it was yeah. just like a really like it was like the swift kick that uh, even as a friend as a supporter of people going through mm-hmm. shit i needed and i think about it often and i think like those are the getting through to the people in the lives of people who are grieving is like a hard thing to do. And I think that that was yeah. so important for that reason, because there's people are so uncomfortable with emotional discomfort that they like kind of wait till something passes. So it doesn't have to be a thing anymore and it's just not going to pass. And um, I think the way you approach it in terms of like, it's not something I'm getting over. It's something I'm, I i do not mean to mince your beautiful words, but like it's something yeah. I've been moving forward with to be clear.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and to not, like, uh, I don't know, not every, like, mood needs lightning. And I am also, you know, for every for every sort of piece of passive aggression, like, I, it has also been a lesson for me. All those things that I learned from experience were things that I can look back and cringe at the way that I, I bright-sided people, at the way that I was, like, just – uh, like an elephant in the china shop of their uh, their their emotions it was ter- like all the terrible mistakes I made you know myself and I my my friend Gene we've known each other since second grade his dad died when we were like 26 and I went to the funeral and then I never asked him about his dad again never brought his dad up never would, would even like stop myself from talking about my dad because then he would remember he doesn't have a dad mm. like wh- what like and when my dad died, I called Gene right away and I was like, oh, my God, I cannot believe that you've lived like this. Like, you felt like this? And he's like, what are you talking about? Like, it's like five years later. I'm like, my dad died. But first, we got to talk about your dad. Then we'll move on to my dad's death. But uh, it's 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 hard to be grief adjacent. Yeah. You are sure that, you know, some, I don't know. And, there's just so much ego involved. There's so much ego. You're like, well, I will say the wrong thing. Like, no one cares about you. Mm. Like, no one, no one cares about you. Like, you don't, you don't have to say the right thing because there's no right thing to say because you're not trying to fix it. And that's all you have to remember. That's like, such an
1: interesting slash tough thing to think about is how how egocentric our response to people's difficulties are, and that we just want to be the most effective.
0: But it's just not yes. about us. I want to be the best at grief, okay? Right. Like, I want to be the best, I want to be the best funeral attendee you've ever had, okay? Not <laughs> only did I sign that guest book, I made it legible. Okay.
1: Like, th- th- this is not a popular thing to talk about, but it just... Th- there is a thing that happens, especially in groups of women, where if somebody is going through something, there's like a best, best friend, like an unspoken contest that is being run and everybody responds so mm-hmm, some people like mm-hmm. really step up in times of trauma when they're like really crappy friends otherwise and some people like yeah dip back yeah. like i i definitely if i don't i have that i have that um issue where like i won't talk to my friend at a wedding who is the bride because i don't want her to think that i think i'm significant
0: <laughs> i i do that too i do that too
1: yeah i'm like yeah, yeah, we could like, we got you. Yeah. So when people are going through it, I, I, I have a problem too, defaulting to like, I don't know the best way to support you, and I, so I will remove myself from the equation just to like not add
0: to the clutter, which is not the right response at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or it could be, and honestly, you can just try a bunch of stuff and be okay with doing the wrong thing, which is also something that I've had to learn. Like, I wanted things from. Uh, of certain friends or from my uh, my siblings and I wanted them to just know and I was like how would they know right like they never did this before I'm the first person in my group of friends with a dead husband weirdly they didn't know how to respond like That's- of course of course they did it like uh, and I had to learn that too my sister went through a divorce two years after Aaron died and it's like I had to learn how to be there for her, And I had never done that for a person. And mm-hmm. she also had never been divorced. I had never been widowed before. It's like I, I think it's very easy to forget that, like everybody is doing something for the first time. Mm-hmm. and it, it's it's such a it, that to me is just so humbling. like even even if, you know, the next time it like tragedy strikes, like it will be a first all over again. like i will it will be like you'll be a new version of you going through this. Um.
1: That's so I can't, a very. Yeah,
0: there always there is always like a best best friend. There's like a weird pecking order. You always feel like, you know, and and again, just like it just doesn't have to be, it just doesn't have to be about you. It just doesn't have to be about you. And you can go around that friend if you want.
1: That <laughs> the way you just described, like that was a very poetic, like almost metaphoric. Um. Like if this happened to me again, I would be new to me. Like, that's why you don't need experts in your field because there is no expertise (laughs) like Mm -hmm. of the human experience like that. I think that that's kind of to what you're talking about earlier with like living in the gray and not having simple solutions. It's like more people need to be out there being like, this isn't easy. This isn't straightforward. This doesn't look the same for everybody. And I'm not going to make you feel better in three short steps. Uh, And that's maybe not soothing, but it's reality and not set like the quick fixes or what where it doesn't happen. And I think I don't know, like I the, the flip side of this, too, is I had somebody on my podcast that had lost a child, unfortunately, and she was talking about how like it became a cycle of her having to manage other people's grief she was talking to. And that really stuck with me and was something I hadn't thought about in terms of people, you know, dealing with infertility and infant loss and, and whatever might fall into the sort of situation where you're, you're, you're in passing, revealing sad, difficult news that is just a fact about your life and then having to manage yeah. the other person's emotions and how they respond to it. And I was kind of like, wow, these, there are layers that you don't think about where you're, you don't want to, people aren't going to yeah. be like. You feel weird saying, I hate managing the sadness of people around me that just hear me talk about my life. But, like, that's a thing people need to know and remember. As, as a person that cries yeah. at the drop of a hat, like, I'm making it worse for the person sharing with me.
0: And, yeah. it's, and sometimes, <laughs> though, it's also like, it. yes, and for some people, you're not. Like, for some people, like, they they will need that. We are all just these unknowable puzzles to one another. And so... It's like we want there to be and we're sort of conditioned by, again, like we don't need to name these authors, but like, oh, that we can just life hack our way through this shit. Mm -hmm. And you can't and you're not going to life hack your way through, by the way, a global pandemic whenever people are like, oh, I'm just having a tough time. No shit. You're having a tough time. Look around you. Mm -hmm. Yes, you are having a tough time. This is hard. And by the way, no one, not a single person in your life or your or your work Or whatever. Not a single person you admire has ever done this before either. So no one has any idea
1: how how this
0: will go, and like at all. And uh, and I've 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 felt the way that uh, your other guest described, where it's like I I it's hard to manage somebody else's um, emotions, and also sometimes I've felt so seen by other people's sadness over what I've been through Uh, in in the strangest ways. And, uh, like, um, God, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think of an example that won't like make somebody feel bad, but, um, <laughs> like, you know, like sometimes, okay. So my, a, a friend of mine who it would, it had been hard for me to be around her. She, our children were born at the same time. We were pregnant the second time around the same time. And I lost that baby. She had hers. And then her husband was still alive and very handsome. And I remember after, you know, some months had passed. She and I had run into each other, and it was I just had assumed it would be like every other interaction I had, where people were like, "Oh yeah, blah, how are you doing?" And I was like, "Great, good, wonderful." <laughs> and she looked at me and she said, and she was like all like stopped up, and she was like, "It just hasn't been that long, Nora." And I was like, "Oh, thank you, <laughs> like thank you for noticing, like." It's not that long ago. Right. Um, and everyone else had sort of, you know, and it's like, um, and who knows, like the and one of Aaron's friends had come over, his and his wife was like this right after he died, and his wife was like all choked up and like sobbing and like looking at at Ralph and being like, It's so sad, it's so sad. And I just remember being like, Get the fuck out of my house. Yeah. I will choke slam you with your own lasagna dish. Like I was I just and I didn't have like you know, enough of a, a, like a crust around me, a callus around me yet to just like not let that ruin me. And um, yeah, so I think, you know, sometimes, sometimes like a, a stranger can just crack that open with you or the, or the right kind of person can do it. And 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 sometimes uh, they can't and sometimes I will meet people who just want to like, you know, be like, My husband died too. Let's move on from that so I can tell you a funny story about how we died. I'm like, I got you, I will stay with you, yes. I will like we will do this together. And sometimes I can meet I I can meet people who are like, I want you to sob this out with me. And I can't always provide that mm. which is a a, a, a just an emotional reality. Like it's so impossible to fully mirror and give people exactly what they need. And I think all we can do is like bumble through it and be like, I was that okay? Like, is this do you wanna talk about this or no? Okay. And just <laughs> like it's just so oh my God. I just have so much compassion for all the people that I was fucking awful to after Aaron died. You know? Yeah. I don't have a lot of those same friends. <laughs> like
1: <laughs> <laughs> But like I think it's it's an interesting thing too where uh you when you look back on all i feel like even we kind of only got through part of the career arc but like do you are you driven crazy or brought pete like i never know how to reconcile that everything happens for a reason commentary that people shoot somebody's way but i'm but when people say that in the context of death i'm like Maybe skip this opportunity to tell people that their misfortune was for a good cosmic reason that led to their book publishing. Like, they probably would take it back.
0: I would take it back. I would, I would, I would, I would take it back. I will throat punch someone who says that to me, unless they are over 70, in which case you get a free pass and I will nod and then I will be like, Behind your back, uh, but uh, no, that's a terrible thing to say. It's a terrible thing to say, and even the most you know, I've I've I have friends who are clergy, and they're like, "That's bullshit." No, 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 yeah. no, 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 no. Read, read when bad things happen to good people. Okay, that by a rabbi from I think this book is thirty years old, and he's like, "That's not true." That the universe has what did he? I I was just reading this the other day. He's like, "Can't we let the universe have a few rough edges?" Right, like must everything make sense? No, like not, not everything happens for a reason. Like Aaron didn't die so that I could have a mediocre writing career. Like he, yes, no. No, no, no. Like, he didn't die for, a, I mean, he died for a reason. The reason was stage four glioblastoma. Like, but it wasn't a big, you know, cosmic reason. It wasn't a big, you know, God reason. Like, the God that I, I sometimes believe in is not like out here handing some people Teslas and some people brain tumors. Right. Like, she's like, shit, guys, I don't know. <laughs> like, I love that you said, oh, I sometimes that's believe bad. in.
1: I love that you said, she. I, am, I feel and hear
0: you in every sense of that statement.
1: <laughs> right. Like, you a a know, universe sometimes that plays like, favorites brings me the opposite of peace.
0: Oh, absolutely. I'm like, I, I, I could not follow Rachel Parcell on Instagram if I thought everything happened for a reason. If I thought if I thought that, you know, she deserves that uh, giant um, pantry that's literally bigger than um, the first floor of my home. And my home is one floor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. Like why and, right. and and my husband deserved a like. I would. Uh, there's no way I could not. I could not operate in in uh, with a within a belief system of that universe. Like you know, I just I'm looking at a prayer card for my uh, my friend's son who who drowned when he was uh, two years old. You're going to tell me that happened for a reason? Like no. Like who wants to live in that world? Right. Like I mean, a lot of people. It turns out, but I still hate it. Hate it.
1: I'm always trying to figure out how to. Uh, massage that ideology to like uh, because I believe in one sense that like you you your small efforts that responded to the things that happened to you are very much like in alignment with you as a person and what you should be doing because you followed your instincts it doesn't mean those events needed to happen for you to find success or for you to get from you know A to B but it's like there, I think it's more a function of like you uh, following your arrow in a sense, regardless of convention and not m- that like everything that happened needed to happen to like propel you in one direction. Cause, cause like, as you were yeah. kind of taking these career steps, I'm sure it felt chaotic. It's not, it wasn't obvious.
0: Oh, it was so chaotic. I mean, I was literally, it was like, a shell game with my checking and savings accounts. Just a sh- just. I will move this, and then we'll credit card here. Then we'll pay off a partial balance here, and then we'll. It was absolute chaos, and also, um, I I did feel like I was doing the right things, yeah. and I'd never felt that way professionally before, mm. ever, ever. And I I think that I could have done things with Aaron still being alive and i also know that it wasn't a choice and so i'll never know i'll never know and i also know that that yeah that i can be that i can be proud of on some days or happy with where i am and also still miss what i lost and that i mean a, like a great many things are true at all times right. which is like no i would not have this specific career if Aaron hadn't died, because I never would have written that obituary. Like, duh, there would be no reason for me to start a podcast called Terrible Things for Asking. I probably would have started some podcast. It would have been with Aaron, and it would have been called Be There in Five. <laughs> and <I'm laughs> actually, it would have been called Who Weekly. I, every time I listen to Who Weekly, I'm like, this this would have been me and Aaron. This would have been me oh, and Aaron. But I love Who Weekly. Yeah. He's so good. So good. And he knew so much about celebrities like I have huge gaps in my knowledge and uh yeah he just had a he had like a respect for pop (laughs) culture and like this encyclopedic knowledge of it and was so interesting and I think I would have like we would have done you know something but it's also you know it's all like sliding door stuff you know
1: right totally I don't know if you feel this way but like uh as a sensitive person like typically you're my initial react—it's like I try to tell myself, "Don't change the scantron bubbles. Like, leave your first instinct, leave your first reaction, or whatever." Because I think that sometimes, like the important moments of life happen uh, from your gut reactions that you almost don't have time to to interfere. And um, in my like big break job interview, whatever, when I was in college and was so underqualified. I, for some reason, kept getting further in this process that got me the job that ultimately like made my life take off. But the joke is, um, at the final interview, I flew to New York by myself, flew by myself for the first time. I was in this big conference room with these head honchos of this like market research company. When I got back to college, people were like, how was the interview? I was like, I think it went great. We all cried. And people were like, what is mean, yeah. <laughs> wrong with you? <laughs> and, this, <laughs> and this is like my first lesson in like yeah like follow like follow your instinct like if, if you're able to bring out something in other people or they feel comfortable around you that's great and even if it doesn't fit in the normal yeah. social interaction realm like maybe it's not bad but we literally like they, I went to Virginia Tech, and they asked me, like point blank, how I felt about yeah. like uh, the worst mass shooting yeah. that like had ever happened and on a college campus that was very raw still. And like I can't respond unemotionally, so I was just like, I'm just gonna go for it and tell them exactly how I feel yeah. about it. And then they, like truly mid men in their mid 60s, crying back to me, talking about 9/11. We have a human conversation that yeah. has nothing to do about the job. Um, For a long time. And it was a really important moment, I think, in my life of realizing the power of, of human connection and emotion and not being afraid to go there and providing a safe space conversationally for somebody that like, I don't know, yeah. was willing. And, and it was just, I don't know, I'll never forget as long as I live because I didn't get the job because I was qualified for it. I got it because they were like, we just like trust you. And I was like, thank you. I promise I'll do well. But like, I had, I don't know. I th- there was like an element of people skills. It went great.
0: Everybody <laughs> cried.
1: It was such a weird experience, but um, I don't know. I, th- I feel like it- I, as we've talked about, like, I'll find myself in intense conversations and I just like, like to let them happen. However, I kind of try to respond to the other person if I can, yeah. but, um, I don't know, like I, even me now asking you all of these questions, it's like, do you grow so tired of sharing this story in this arc? Does it, do you get to a point where you can mm-hmm. speak about it a little disconnected or? I apologize for the abrupt segue. Um, But uh, I I was getting very lost in this episode and realized I needed to thank our last sponsors. Uh, You know, to make up my own segue, ever since summer 2019, when Taylor Swift told me I need to calm down, I've always been like, I really do. And fortunately, I have a solution and what I've been using every single night to fall asleep. And it is called Calm. Calm is an app designed to help you ease stress and get the best sleep of your life. It has a whole library of programs that that are designed for healthy sleep, like soundscapes, guided meditations, over 100 sleep stories narrated by soothing voices like Stephen Fry, Kelly Rowland, and Laura Dern. Not to mention one Harry Styles that I weirdly brought up in another ad, even though it feels wrong to group him and Taylor into one's... But anyways, it's not important. Uh, over 85 million people around the world use Calm to take care of their minds and get better sleep. It's a fantastic app, and I don't know about you guys. I definitely am guilty of scrolling social media into the depths of the night, reading the news when I should be powering down, honestly. Uh, and the Calm app has helped me kind of refocus my attention. I'm pretty partial to listening to thunderstorms, which sounds weird, given that I'm trying to calm the chaos of my mind by, you know, drowning it out with chaos by an external pretend thunderstorm. But honestly, it works for me every time I'm in a cozy cabin. And that mi- miraculously, that cabin somehow has snow and thunderstorms. It doesn't need to make sense. It, it just needs to transcend reality. And that's what Calm enables me to do. And I love the app. And I think you guys will, too. And if you want to get better sleep to calm, you know, your racing mind at night, I cannot recommend this more highly. If you go to calm.com slash be there in five, you'll get a limited time offer of 40% off of a Calm premium subscription, which includes hundreds of hours of programming. Get the Calm app and experience a transformation in the way you sleep. Once again, Calm is offering a special limited time promotion of 40% off a Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash be there in five. That's 40% off of unlimited access to Calm's entire library, and new content is added every week. Get started today by going where? Calm.com slash be there in five. That's calm.com slash be there in five. last but certainly not least, We have Skillshare, which I've been using. I actually just took a class called Graphic Design Basics, Core Principles for Visual Design because, as previously mentioned, I was scarred by the experience of people thinking my logo was just a bunch of splatter paint, not a carefully considered girl in a bathtub. Not important. They have incredible classes. You guys know I love Skillshare. I used it all through quarantine, and I still am using it to kind of unlock my creativity. Because they have so many incredible uh, classes that kind of help you get creative. And whether in the holiday season you're learning to make the perfect handmade gift, you're starting your own business. Skillshare is for my favorite kind of people, which are creative and curious people that want to explore new skills, deepen existing passions, and get lost in their creativity. I can't even explain the range that exists on here and how it's flexible and on your own time, on your own schedule, you can learn legitimate practical skills to actually use in life and business or just to do something fun as an escape or even i was just you know perusing classes and i want to take one about house plants because plants are hot right now and i can't keep them alive and i need to fiddly figure this out so i'm taking plants at home uplift your spirit and your space or I'm given hope that my inbox of like 100,000 unread emails will be um, you know, under control by the time I finish one I've started called Email Productivity, Work Smarter With Your Inbox. If you're a student, there's a, an evidence-based masterclass in how to study for exams. And the best part is it's incredibly affordable, especially when compared to how pricey in-person courses and workshops can be, not to mention not on your own time and in the presence of other people. Skillshare is totally individualized, personalized on your own time, and it's incredibly affordable. An annual subscription is less than $10 a month. So if you want to explore your creativity, uh, please go to Skillshare.com slash BTIF and get a free trial of a premium membership. That's Skillshare.com slash BTIF as in Frank. It's a new code. So don't forget BTIF to try a premium membership. Love Skillshare. Thank you to them and to all of our sponsors. And now back to the interview. I don't know, like even me now asking you all of these questions, it's like, do you grow so tired of sharing this story in this arc does it do you get to a point where you can Mm -hmm. speak about it a little disconnected or
0: yeah I mean some days yes uh for a long time no um but some days yes and then shockingly sometimes I will have to explain it to a person and I will just cry my face off yeah (laughs) like I so when we make terrible things for asking I interview a person, then I um, write a story for the episode. So we'll talk about a lot of things. Then I'll pick like a story to tell, like how the story comes together. I'll write narration. I'll write an episode. We'll pick tape that goes into it, and then we'll do like a table read where we'll listen to the clips. I'll do my narration, and I've heard this story. I wrote the story. I've heard. I was there at the interview, and I'm I'm we're working on this one for April, and I we we're, we're doing a reading, and I start to read it. I get to the middle of the story and I can't talk, I can't do it. I'm sobbing. I'm sobbing so uncontrollably. I can't get through it. And, uh, and, and I think that's just, you know, I don't have any, the one thing that I think I could really benefit from is some mental health uh, you know, training because therapists do learn protective measures on Mm. how to like hear people's stories. And I probably could benefit from that. I'm not, I'm not doing therapy, but I am. You know, I'm I'm hearing a lot of stories. Clergy do that. Clergy get training on how to how to mentally take care of themselves. And I think for the first few years of making this podcast, it really was very, very, very difficult for me. And when it when it, it, it it's not like it's not hard. It's just different now. Mm-hmm. And there are certainly times when I think to myself, like, I would love to do um something else. And <laughs> I just don't think like I, when I wrote bad moms, which is a novel based on the movie and it's a comedy, it's just funny. It's just funny. But also one of my strengths was I brought a lot of depth to the characters that wasn't there in the movie. Mm-hmm. Cause you can't fit it into a hundred minute long movie. And the guys loved that. Like the guys who wrote the movie, they were like, we love that. Like we, it's so sensitive. And we knew that Carla was like a more, you know,
1: mm-hmm. a
0: deeper character. And, you know, and, I, and so I do think that's a skill of mine. Like, that is a skill of mine. Like, I, I just d- see depth in things and people. And uh, somebody had interviewed me, a man, always a man, asked me <laughs> something fucked up in interviews. Um, <laughs> <laughs> things men have asked me in interviews. What's it like to have a career based around your dead husband's life? Like, somebody oh, said thank that. Thank you, John. Ah <laughs> oh, man, ah oh, man. On my first book tour, and I just, I said, how the fuck do you think it feels? And the question didn't make it into the interview. Um, it's well,
1: like uh, also just like an it's incorrect. It's like you you didn't write his I know. biography,
0: <laughs> right? Just so oh my god, uh, um, and uh, and somebody else called that like our writing bad moms like a pivot, and I was like, I think it is a natural extension of who I am, which is that we all contain multitudes, which means that like you know. I don't want to be a brand. I don't want to be a a two-dimensional, you know, ca- you know, character, a symbol of something. Like I want to be a person, a person who has like a wide range of interests and that means that not everything I do is going to be for everybody and it never has been and it never is. And it also means like I do want latitude. I want latitude to make different kinds of episodes. I want latitude to write different kinds of books. I want latitude to do a lot of different things and um and it makes me hard to represent i imagine and also um i think somebody that's that's i, I guess hopefully can hold somebody's interest for a longer amount of time because i don't want to just talk about sad stuff nobody does nobody and does, nobody yeah. is just a sad thing now one. totally no one
1: and and i think it's so interesting how like especially for new listeners uh to you it's like your story's so interesting and so worth going through and being told but in, in a very different way I feel similarly with doormats of like uh it's you know I, I want to be a person that can do a lot of things and be relatable in a sense of like I'm just figuring it out as I go and and I think in your case too it's like you need to be an example of a person that very much has a life outside of their grief because that's what people have to do mm-hmm. is is you know, move forward accordingly. And it's like, it's defining in in one sense, but also um, it's interesting that you said, people said bad moms was a pivot as if you're voluntarily, like- you only you're, you're like willing that sad things happen. So they become fodder for your like content. Like absolutely not. Right. You're just a person. And I think that's kind of like what we both feel toward personal brands is like, I'm, I'm here for the, the era of people, not personal brands, just like
0: humans doing stuff. Right. (laughs) Talking about it. (laughs) I just want people. I just want people. And, it's such a strange thing, too, because I think, like, there's a lot of influencer culture that I participate in, a very a very fraught relationship with this. And I'm really trying to write a book about this. Um, and also, there's so much of it that I think needs to be, like, really examined. And I think part of it is, like, this sort of... Um, I went as a lurker to this online like influencer event that was just filled with thousands of people trying to be influencers. Mm. And they listened to these people who I believe to be snake oil salespeople get up and say the same thing that they say in every podcast, the same thing they say on every Instagram Live, the same thing as they say in every caption, which is like, anyone can do this. You are an influencer, even if one person follows you. And I just think like, one, is that true? And two, is that the goal? And what are you aiming to influence for? And if right. absolutely everyone has something to teach you, like, do you really think, there's no way that these people think that literally everyone has the ability to build a business around being themselves and teaching people how to, you know, escape from from the trunk of a car when zip tied, you know, like there's, <laughs> there's just so... Like, right. Or uh, like... Like, oh, like, uh, like you could. So get, you can make a course about how to get 50,000 Instagram followers. And I can make a course about how to make 50,000, get 50,000 Instagram followers. Then everyone who takes our course can make a course about how to get 50,000 Instagram followers. And then I'm like, how is this dissimilar from a pyramid scheme?
1: It's, <laughs> like, it, how is it? It's not. It, 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 the the problem, it li- I think, lies within the, the, uh, the way people define influence like i think to me it's something you Mm. earn it's not something you have and Mm -hmm. i think that you have to gain you have to become influential through something else and that's the thing that you can't manufacture and people growth hack being an influencer just as a person who like represents things and products it's it's so uh soulless because it's not grounded in so soulless, anything yes. somebody's meaningfully following. And, like, I think that's the biggest misconception is, like, an influencer is something you call yourself. When I'd argue an influencer is mm-hmm. something people call you.
0: Right. Yeah. Ooh, that's a very good point. Because I, I also think, too, it's like there's such a – it's it's almost like this this power of observation that we have into – Uh, these little keyhole views of people's lives that feel like a fishbowl, but they're not, they're a very, very small view into somebody's life also allows us to completely like commodify and dehumanize them in a way that makes me extremely uncomfortable that I've caught myself doing as well. Right. And also I think it is worth thinking about and, and you, you've spoken about this at length, which is that like, People who are influencers, and they're mostly they're women, right? We don't call men influencers; no. we we just don't. Um, and the the women that we call influencers are also doing what women have been doing for centuries without payment, which is try things test them, and tell people, tell their friends if they like them or not. Like, there there are whole marketing campaigns in the, you know, the early thousands, like early 2010s. I'm sure you worked on some of them. I know I did. Based around, like, what can we give women that's not money that will get them to talk about our product and do this work for us for free? And I think, like, wow, what BS. I participated in that (laughs) and, like, perpetuated that culture. And also, like... You know, why would I begrudge somebody making, you know, 29 cents on this um, Maybelline Superstay uh, matte ink, my favorite lipstick, um, if they found it? And I asked them what lipstick they were wearing and they told me, like, why shouldn't they make like 26 cents off that? Like, truly, it's such a strange thing to begrudge somebody. So it's just I don't know why I brought this up other than. It's something that I think about all the time. And also, I attempted a little bit of influencing, like the traditional kind. It is so hard.
1: Wait, Kay. tell me, tell me never... what you did to to venture into traditional influencing.
0: I did a swipe up for this goddamn lipstick. Okay. <laughs> and let's just check. Let's see what my balance is up to now, okay? Okay, let's just see. Let's see. Okay. Let's see. Let's On see. Amazon? Okay. 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 No, and um, I don't know how to do Amazon Plus. I'm like, I, I'm against Amazon. Like everybody, oh, yeah, uh, we're all against Amazon. And also, we all participate in Amazon. Like we, we all contain multitudes. We all know, like there are things, you know. Oh God, yes, of course, it would be better if we bought that local. Um, you know, where am I going to buy clothespins in the middle of the night? But Amazon's um, also a
1: dropship network of small sellers. The-
0: i know and then people like me could have be, been
1: selling on amazon i chose not to but uh, like a lot it, it, it's it's nothing simple i know really
0: nothing but, simple nothing simple and i've been a huge asshole about that before it is a drop shifting and also they i mean they knock off or there are knockoffs of like still kick and stuff and you can't report people it knock off
1: you can't report it your non-profit that's like so upsetting on so many
0: levels it's so bad. I got I got a real story to tell you another time it's bad. It's like if you like call it over out there like uh, literally fuck off. We don't care. Um okay, so um $3.76. Damn. So um <laughs> uh we will they pay out I think at uh $100. So I have uh uh ways to, <laughs> <laughs> ways
1: to go. So okay, that's the flip side of this is like It's like it's hard, you know? It's like to make serious money it's a it's a long journey and and the problem too is like the if if you're pr- pursuing traditional celebrity you have all of the buffers in the world of of PR and security mm-hmm. and money and like there's just it's your your world is set up to be very insular and designed with privacy in mind. But when your job is telling people stuff about your life, people use that vulnerability against you to talk shit about you. They deny you a livelihood of making money in that fashion. It it does bother me because like a lot of influencers are awful, but a lot of them like get all of the worst parts about being famous without actually being meaningfully famous and the money that comes along with fame. And it's like, even for me, with my mental health, like, just entering a 24-7 feedback loop has been a really interesting challenge of, um, like, my podcast isn't a character. It's just me. So your feedback's now about my personality. Uh, similarly to how I'm sure you feel about your writing in Same. your podcast. It's like, well, I don't know what to do with this. I'm just fundamentally annoying. And that is my... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my takeaway from work today Man. um so yeah it's like yeah, i equal parts sorry gr- like I, I hate and and d- defend influencer behavior because i i don't ever want to be the person that's uh, really going after this industry because it's new or different because new mm-hmm. revenue streams will constantly pop up and and i can't contest the value of something to the world when i'm getting entertainment value out of it but at the same time, yeah. people take themselves really seriously, mm-hmm. and that's really hard.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I, I super, like, I, I just, like, cringe when people are like, oh, I'm making all this free content for you. And I'm like, well, you're making it for yourself. Because it, it feels good to have thousands of people like it. Like, it's not a gift. Like, you did it, you do it because it gives you dopamine. And you also do it because it reinforces you when you want to re- return to your, your feed to sell people something. And that's okay. But, like, just don't position it as if it's like, you know, you're, you're show running a, a, a free reality show for people when really, like, you are carefully curating sections of your life. It's a certain kind of influence or this is not everybody. But you know what I mean when people oh, totally. are like I do all this stuff for free for you and I'm like eh. or like I think the other thing that I sort of um uh am, am like cringe at is is like when you can tell somebody has like a uh like a content calendar oh. and uh <laughs> and and part of their content is like extremely personal and you're like oh my god you like this every Tuesday you share these this,
1: curated vulnerability this,
0: yeah and i'm like it's like i don't think i've ever not tapped out a caption in the moment i i did post something really sad today i was very very sad this morning i just went on a walk and i cried and and i and then i because uh, google served me a photo from mm. six years ago when aaron was dying i was Thanks, like google. cool that's it thank you buddy And I like wrote all this stuff that was just in my head and I just typed it out with my thumbs and I was like, God, I hope people don't think this is like something I scheduled, you know, like that I scheduled out this sad thing. It's just like, that's just how my body and my brain reacted to this photo from Google. And so maybe I'm just not being very gracious with other people. Maybe other people are about this too, but, uh, or are like that too, but it is sort of just like a strange thing. It feels like you're in it it feels like a bunch of different um, Truman shows overlapping. Yeah, you know, right? Well, like a uh, bunch of overlapping Truman shows. Well,
1: to be fair, I did not read your caption as such. And if you had if you had hashtag like morning Monday or you know what I mean, like there's <laughs> on Mondays we're sad. <laughs> like, <laughs> but I think the, oh I, I think it comes across as authentic if you are being authentic, and I think people can see through that. But I I I know I I I. Think that goes back to the kind of gray of it all. Of like I feel two ways about most things, and even mm. um. In, but but what's hard about that is is people too kind of go call you out. Like I said today, I didn't love that women were starting to say Starbies, and then mm. you know I get called out for not supporting other women, um, or you know that other not like other girls mentality, and I'm like, I can uh, you know I can be supportive of women, but also not support infantilizing language like. You know,
0: yes. we don't have to. Not everything operates. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> that yeah. Clearly. I uh, I I posted something that was like, you know, just I, and I literally I reposted something that was like shop small because it really does matter. We have a small business that is like barely making it, and um, and I wrote not to guilt anyone, right? Because like not to guilt anyone, just like just let's be aware. And someone replied like, oh, says the person who's like having a show sponsored by shutterfly i was like it's free not to guilt anyone (laughs) so not to guilt anyone yeah i'm like do you want a free show i do okay (laughs) like (laughs) to
1: be fair my reaction to your show was like damn she's not charging for that
0: (laughs) i was like so i was like so impressed by you i know oh god Uh, we are very we are actually very very lucky to have a to have a sponsor because also it has been such a shitty year and you know i don't know i wanted to be um also your live show by the way so good. Oh, so you good. Did I it? mess up the time zone? And I well, I messed up the time zone. So I got there at the end when I thought I was getting there. I literally was like, I'm not putting you to bed tonight. I'm watching Kate's show. I don't I forgot we're on Mountain Standard Time now. So I budged it up. But um, but what I said was so good. You're just so good. And I'm glad you couldn't see the comments. But you next time we'll have you should have somebody just shouting at you the best comments.
1: That that, that that is something I I don't know how I would... You were
0: just adored.
1: That's so sweet. I don't know how I would advise another person to approach that because, like, I didn't... I wish I had known people were interested because I thought people were Mm. bored when they weren't and whatever. But, like... um,
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. uh,
1: Hey, I'm so honored you attended. My God. Uh, You're
0: so good. You're so good.
1: Wait, but also, I, I forgot to say earlier, I went back through our DM history... Um, to identify the things we had talked about in the, in in the time of our internet friendship. And can I clarify some of them with you before I take up way too much of (laughs) your time? Oh God. Yes. Yes.
0: Yes. Um,
1: Okay. So, well, a couple things that um, we have in common. One, we both want geo trackers with teal racing, like purple geo trackers with teal racing stripes. I've never had another person emphatically (sighs) be like, that's my dream car. but Like it really
0: is mine. It was, (laughs) it was my dream car. I would scour the classifieds of the Star Tribune, highlight them. There was one for sale for three thousand dollars when I was in eighth grade, and I left it on the breakfast table for my dad. Like that wasn't an insane amount of money in nineteen ninety-seven? <laughs> what the fuck when is you couldn't wrong with drive you? Like for four he years. Drove- <laughs> Right, he drove a Geo Prism at the time that only one door opened, and I was like, "Um, so with your extra money, would you mind buying me, um, this little tiny toy SUV?" I thought it was the coolest freaking car a ever. Toy SUV Ugh. is
1: exactly what it is. Yes. Somebody like, de- told me like, "Oh yeah, if anybody wearing like who had a Geo Tracker was in the wrong parking spot, the guys in my high school would just physically lift it and move it." <laughs> It's like it's like hollow plastic. It's so fierce. It's like a low budge Jeep Wrangler that just the very back windows are soft. I just thought it looked like a Barbie car. And I, I think it's probably, I don't have very much pretension with labels. Like I don't need a nice, yeah, nice neither. car, yeah. purse, shoes, whatever. I just like yeah. like what I like.
0: <laughs> same, same, same. I'm like, this. this is cool. This is cool, guys. My other favorite, like, a car that I still look out for is a Chrysler LeBaron convertible with the lights that pop up. Which also when it, like you know when you talk about things that like signified wealth to you as a kid, pop up headlights. I was like, oh shit, they're rich. They're oh, rich. their headlights pop up. They are rich. Sure. <laughs> or if your car had like headlights that had their own wipers. Oh I yeah. I was like, oh my god. Yeah.
1: If you pulled yeah, up with a Pontiac a Sunfire, I was like. I'm not I wasn't ready for it uh, that type of wealth it's intercom wealth that's that's um shit I'm not familiar with I I I love like how those status symbols like made people that are utterly unimpressive as an adult but as a teenager it's like if the top comes down I mean the top might come down <laughs> yeah, okay. right I was like I kinda, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I the Geo Tracker made me laugh because you were like, no, I would circle it in the paper, like, no. And then I was sending you pictures yes. of geo trackers and I was just like, this is a funny conversation I forgot about. Um, we also <laughs> talked about um how oh, at one point I had said um that I believe that the that rose art, crayons, and uh color pencils are the android of coloring utensils. Uh, and you said that's how 100%. you knew your parents were struggling. <laughs> Sorry to laugh.
0: Isn't that so sad? I was like, oh. Like I got the crayons and I was like, my suspicions are confirmed. They are the whispers that I hear this when I'm is, falling asleep. This is dry. This is Parker's dry. This is getting, It's a dry, colorless wax. I was like, it's all wax, no pigment. Fuck. I might as well just not color. Thanks, Margaret. Thanks. These are the things yeah, that's how I know
1: I'm obsessed with like poor th- products that have performed poorly for the history of time that have never revised. And Rose Art is one of those real head scratchers that I'm just like, change a child's life.
0: <laughs> like, someone up. is at someone, there's a brand manager at Rose Art who's like, yeah,
1: <laughs> what's it to <do> you? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> okay,
0: he's like, yeah, we make crayons. But they don't work.
1: Yeah, That's part of the charm. Yeah,
0: Okay. Yeah. We're we're not Crayola. What do you want?
1: Okay. Um Let's... you also had DM me that you bought a um so Lynn Spears wrote a book that was pulled from shelves and you did <gasps> find it on eBay. Yes. And
0: I'm going to send it to you. Yes. Did anything good come from yeah. that? Uh oh. A lot. And there are. I mean this is. Like, when you when you look at a book like this, and you can see there are a lot of pictures. Lots of pictures. I mean, chapter... Oh, my God. Are you ready? Chapter 27. Jerked around. Oof. <laughs> right before Brittany went into Promises, after she shaved off her head, I got an anonymous call from a man while I was driving in Los Angeles. There are drugs planted in Brittany's Malibu house, he said. Going on to tell me that there was a conspiracy with Kevin and Brittany's assistants to make my daughter look like a bad mother, I was so unnerved by the call I missed my exit in more ways than one.
1: Oh. <laughs> like no offense, but that's writing. Like damn,
0: <laughs> that is writing. It's like burn my books, okay? <laughs> and like, there's a lot of pull quotes, which I I love. Like I I love it. I love it. I love it. Um
1: why would she pull that
0: from shelves is my question is it the pull quotes i it it's i i am dying to all i could think of is that maybe her husband her ex-husband um would sue her because it does it's not hmm. it's not good it's not good it's not not uh yeah so this is coming your way okay i can't Circle wait of- through the Storm so by Lynn the lending the lending library through through the storm it came from England it's a UK version uh, so a lot of extra use but other than that heck of a story heck of a story I can't wait so.
1: um, and you yeah. also as of the summer had just for the first time watched Hamilton and you DM me to agree yeah. with me that it's a widow's story.
0: <gasps> Yes. It is a widow story. Absolutely. Absolutely. I was not prepared for that, even though I knew it happened. I don't know how I was. I just did not. Nobody is. I was not prepared.
1: Nobody's, nobody's ready for that story to get them in that way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's a widow story. Immediately. Immediately. I was like, Oh, Oh, I see where this is going. Oh, Oh, um, I'm glad, I, I'm glad I watched that. I'd never, I've never, like, uh, been... I don't know anything about musicals, you know? Yeah. Like, I saw Rent once. Um, but it really got me into it. It really got me into it.
1: I'm glad you uh, saw that, like... It, it, that was a funny thing where, like, there's been... Uh, people have talked about it being about Eliza for a long time. But I did a TikTok about it that, like, not went viral, but, like, I was getting Google alerts about myself being quoted in Elle magazine. Um, and they were like, uh, Kate Kennedy in her TikTok said that she thinks that Lynn manuel thought, I'm like, oh my God, like journalism is dead. <laughs> <laughs> and like the joke is my face is puffy because I've been awake watching Hamilton crying. and I'm like, I think it's about Eliza. And, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things where when you look at it from that lens, it becomes like extra emotional of like her level yeah. of, of sacrifice and intention and carrying out his legacy. And I think the whole um, notion of, who lives who dies who tells your story is like a legacy mm-hmm. mindfuck of it, in and of itself that <sighs> every time i say something utterly nonsensical i'm just like who lives who dies who tells your story kate like you got tells it. your story <laughs> you you you're crushing this <laughs> You and your geo tracker greg,
0: greg will break his silence yes, okay
1: right, right. <laughs> um we also talked about over a dm that um you uh, Oh, you! <laughs> I posted a video of the Verve Pipe singing the song "Freshman." You simply replied, "Chills."
0: <laughs> chills, chills, guys. That was that song came out when I was a high school freshman, and we were like, I mean,
1: guilt stricken, sobbing with their toks heads toks on about, the floor. Some might say,
0: <laughs> you know the uh, you know the TikToks where it's like. Returning to My Small Town, and it's the Lana Del Rey song. Like, that's how we walked through the halls freshman year, okay? Like, for the life of me. <laughs> I can't remember. That song. Just like, what older boy wants to ruin my <laughs> life? Okay. Because <laughs> my dad won't let him because I'm not allowed to leave the house. So
1: That's that's the thing that I haven't been able to capture the essence of is, is the, the main character that self-catastrophizes uh. the way people will speak of her before said c- catastrophe happens. <laughs> I feel that deeply. Um, you also said that uh, I posted about uh, Bath and Body Works, and you said something along mm. the lines of, like, "God damn it, I got stuck with Country Apple because my friends claimed all the good ones. Yeah. All I wanted was warm vanilla sugar.
0: Uh, all I wanted was warm vanilla sugar. Uh but
1: there was a was uh, there a quantity limitation? Like what prevented you from? It's getting just getting what you want uh, uh,
0: because uh, Aaron. Mulcahy got warm huh? vanilla sugar, okay, mm. <laughs> and she was she was the cutest one. She got to choose, so uh, it might have been Cara, but I'm pretty sure there just we had a very small group of friends, mm-hmm. and there were there were not that many good scents. Uh, like cucumber melon smelled like pickles on me, and uh, and plumeria gave my mother a migraine, mm. and I did not have I did not have a lot of choices, so I got fucking country apple. Okay, it's. <laughs>
1: Plumeria is a fun a form of in home terrorism that I. Do.
0: <laughs> it, it is. I mean, a Yankee candle. If you 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 bring a Yankee candle into my home, like, okay, but, I'm worried about air quality. But, but right? you
1: liking warm vanilla sugar, I think, is what's funny to me because that's that's pretty oppressive.
0: Of it's it is it was, uh, but also my high school experience was like, how can I just just uh, pile on. Fragrances that will mask the fact that I have a body. Okay. I need secret powder fresh deodorant and I'm going to cake it. I'm going to cake it on. I want it peeling off my armpits and then I'm going to spray my entire body with body splash, splashing on. And then I'm going to put on a coordinating lotion, highly scented lotion, highly scented. And I'm going to carry a small version in my backpack to re moisturize my hands in class to remind the boys that. I have underneath these men's khakis and polo shirt. There's a body and it looks a lot like yours, but uh, I someday hope
1: to (laughs) but the the, that that is like a funny phenomenon of like bad family life, bad like health education is like just drenching yourself in sense other than your natural body one. And the body splash thing is funny because yeah. they young young women will use body splashes if, like, oh I'm not, it's not a spray. Like I'm just splashing it on. But actually a splash is yeah. more aggressive than a spray and oh. like you're doing a can opener into yes. a fragrant pool. Yeah. <laughs> not a cannonball, but a full opener. <laughs> and it, it's yeah, it's and like you know how men have whew. uh they would like specify like women have to use antiperspirant and deodorant, and men just use right. isn't that like a uh, did I make that up? Is
0: that a distinction i I mean, all I know is that I wore so much of it that it would be hard to perspire even if it were just a mere deodorant because it was clogging every uh, conceivable that's pore the stuff in, that's the stuff. in 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 my arm <laughs> yeah, like and it was full aluminum, full, full. aluminum right up there in my <laughs> in my in my glands, okay, just pack it in don't you always all my shirts from that time were just like bright yellow stains from,
1: oh yeah like, and I hate when things become unhealthy after years of use I'm like uh,
0: yeah cool th-
1: thanks BPA yeah. like I, I we've, yeah. we've been doing this for a really long time now or deodorant clogging is like a funny thing where and tampons too like all of a sudden everything's clean yeah. and they're like Look at all these horrible things that come in the things you put inside your body your whole life. And you're just like, well, Jesus Christ. <laughs> like how yeah.
0: okay. how okay. Well would have been nice to know yesterday. Would have been okay. nice
1: to know. Um, you also made a very funny comment. I posted an ad that was about this drink and I could not tell if it it, it, it was like this canned beverage that sounded so amazing. I was like, is this Alcohol or, like, ecstasy? Like, I don't know, like, what the vibe is. Because it was acting like, you know, you were dropping hard drugs. And you responded saying, there are so many non-words in this, but I'm so glad it's filled with adaptogens and not complacentogens. And I just wanted to nod to your (laughs) brilliant comedic writing, that in a DM that no one would see but
0: me, (laughs) you took on adaptogens. god it's like i just i don't want any science with my food i don't want i don't i just Complice don't it's it just begins. like I, or especially yeah just oh no they're just i mean they're getting in there they're seeing what you need they're meeting those needs it's like <laughs> sure like that's what <laughs> don't want
1: complicitogens my god yeah what a nightmare <laughs> and then my next one is that you were talking about something i think it was over the summer and and I felt understood because you said you were like upset about something. You, you said like, geez, fucking Louise. And I'm like the combo yeah. of the Pollyanna wholesome nature of a geez, Louise with an F-bomb wedged in between. It is like the perfect like I, it's just, like I felt understood in that moment because I am always <laughs> trying to adjust my like I'm not a naturally uh, vulgar person, but I I do like a strategic F bomb. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Wedge in between. cheese Louise. It was just too good. She's <laughs> Louise. She's freaking Louise. I'm trying to clean up my act because
0: these kids will just repeat anything. Mm. And like, we're driving, and the little one's like, "Is that guy being a son of a bitch?" And I'm like, "Ooh, <laughs> ooh."
1: <laughs> Even ooh. I, I, I just clutched my pearls. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah oh yeah i'm like what and then ralph will be like no he's being an asshole i'm like ah don't like, like well yes no. but no <laughs> you're not wrong yes and yeah you're not wrong and also just stop <laughs> these are the things i struggle <laughs> with we, we, had
1: a, we had a combo about oh town and like with dreams and all or nothing We oh, both, both huge fans uh, all that um and if you don't mind if for like last 10 minutes can i just
0: ask people's questions for you yeah um, yes 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 let me let me let me hydrate in my bpa please i know it's bottle.
1: recording on my podcast is it's not a, a fast venture not but <laughs> what's the best is people that are used to talking into this for a long period of time
0: I, oh I, my God, I but i don't though i don't so i'm so excited that i was like am i talking too much Should i like kate talk more no this is because so people come here for you i will say so no you know, yes and no for two hours of kate kennedy uh, no way um
1: People, it's funny because I've had more guests on lately, and and it's funny to get feedback. They're like, I just, it's really refreshing when you have a guest. I'm like, I got it. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, Okay. uh,
0: Understood, Lindsay.
1: Understood. Okay. So trust me, this is a breath of fresh. Um, So. Somebody said, okay, the other thing is here that I was kind of leading to earlier. It's like the questions people ask you are a smidge heavy. Um, a little heavy, a little heavy. That's okay. But that's, that's okay. okay. Uh, but I feel, I similarly feel like, uh, like when I first started doing shows and was doing meet and greets and stuff, I had this problem where people would tell me their life story and like, I'm not going to walk away from that. And the venues would get upset with me because I was taking too long and da da da. And it isn't. It's it's like a really great blessing to have uh, that people want to tell you things, right? Like, or people want to ask your opinion on yeah, something yeah. with depth. And um, I think it speaks a lot to how much people trust you and your opinions. But uh, one question was like, do you worry more or less compared to ten years ago?
0: Oh, so much less. Really? So much less. So much less. I like could not some days even get out of bed because I would be so worried i'd be rehashing absolutely every single interaction you know just i would go home and spend like hours composing a per my last email i was so so keyed up about uh, the future and i I, i'm i worry a lot less now a lot less even with kids interesting
1: that's helpful for me to hear Mm -hmm. uh worries about
0: everything too Almost so granularly, yeah, it's I just useless. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so you've caught me on days where I'm like, oh, she's like, you know, I'm just, and I'll get really keyed up about something. But mostly, like, no, I worry a lot less. I was such a miserable person ten years ago. It's hard to even imagine being like that again. Interesting.
1: So somebody said, um, how do you get through anniversaries?
0: Oh well, it's in two days. <laughs> so with, Ar- uh, with Aaron. Not a, yeah, yeah. So this morning I woke up and I was just so hugging sad. I was so sad and I walked the little one to school and Ralph was sick and so I came home and I went for a walk and I listened to your podcast and I cried. <laughs> <laughs> and I just like let myself like walk around sobbing for a while cuz it was mid-morning. The old people have already taken their morning walk. Uh the, the you know other people aren't other people have real jobs. Uh, so I got to just walk around and cry. And then i I came home and was like definitely looked like I'd been crying and all the kids were like, you okay. What, what's going on today? Just a little heavy this week. I was like, just a little heavy this week. Yeah. It's just a little heavy. So I used to think that I had to have like a thing, like I had to like have a way to pass it and it had to be the same every year. And like, no, like you can let this be whatever it is. And so I blocked off. Everybody who works with me takes is taking the 25th off. I mean, obviously it's the day before Thanksgiving, but even if it wasn't like, I'm just like, don't check your email, Don't do anything. You're not going to get anything out of me. And, um, Like everyone, like the all still kicking is taking the day off and nothing's getting shipped out on Wednesday, people. So be nice about it. And um, I used to think it just had to be a specific thing. And now it can be like sort of whatever it is. And that's that's how I do it.
1: So it's like clear, kind of clear if you there are obligations that'll get in your way. Clear those. But then whatever you need to do at the time.
0: Yeah, it's not like I'm like, well, so at exactly 2.44 p.m. Central Time, I have to like release this balloon, you know, into the into the world. I just like I let the day sort of just be its thing. And in past years, I've done stuff that like last year, we still lived in Minnesota. The kids were in school um, and I pulled them all out of school for the day and we went to the Mall of America, which was his favorite place. And we rode a bunch of rides and I bought the kids whatever they wanted. Matthew was like, Really? Do we have to I was like shh 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 sh, shh uh, shh because Aaron loved buying people Aww. gifts, you know, like he just loved buying people extravagant gifts. And you know, I'm like, is he th- they're kids, who cares? And we saw a movie, it turned out it was Frozen 2, which is a grief story, so I sobbed the whole time, oof, really ruined oof. the mood. Uh yeah, 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 yeah. The Disney um, movies And then do we that. <laughs>
1: I, I'm never ready. They know what they're they doing. They know what they're
0: doing. It's so frustrating. No, oh God. So yeah, let it be whatever it needs to be and also like you'll sort of like find out in time what that day will yeah. mean to you.
1: Do you mind like uh explaining that you are now remarried? I don't I don't think we had that conversation. Oh, sorry.
0: Yeah, I forgot to tell people that. Sorry, sorry, sorry. So I'm now remarried. I met somebody about a year after Aaron died, which is again like you kind of have this expectation of how you how how time will pass or what that will mean to you. And I did not want to fall in love again at all. I wanted to maybe have like some dalliances. I was, I was ready to accept a man who was crazy in love with me, but I, who I would not love at all or give anything to emotionally, but who would take care of me physically. Um And, uh but even then I was too lazy to find it, that person. Very uninterested. Already fell in love once. It was great. Would love if that was my last interaction. Um And then I met Matthew, and he was so wonderful. And I met him through a mutual friend who was a widow. He had played in a band with her husband, her dead husband. And he was a divorced dad, divorced, bankrupt dad of two. And uh, it just, it was on. (laughs) It was just like, I don't know. Like he, I knew, you know, within two minutes of talking to him, like, oh, you know how to survive something. I will never need to take care of you. Mm. You will never need to take care of me. We will do it together. Um, and it, I don't know, like, I just knew that we could choose each other without needing each other and that he could survive me. Hmm. And that was a good sign. It, and he came with two kids. So now that's the four. She is like, I acquired two. I came with one and then we had one together.
1: It's so interesting how your needs evolve with like how your life does. And like, oh, those are things you wouldn't have looked for in a partner previously by any uh, I would have.
0: I would have been like. It, no and he's five ten. Like no. No no no. He's, well I did measure him. We had like a he's five eleven. Legally I will I will rescind all the all the ways that I've defamed him in the past. He's, legally, 5'11. legally I did he's check. Five eleven. <laughs> <5'11. laughs> I will I will sign I will have that document notarized. I measured it several times. Uh it's his five eleven. He's five but I would have been like, No, 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 no. Five eleven divorce, two kids, no, 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 no. no. Well, Date a dad. That's what I tell people. Find a divorced dad. Like, one, he's not going to make the same mistake twice. He's just not going to. And two, he already knows how to take care of something that is not himself. mm. And three, like, he does not expect to be the center of your world because you are not the center of his.
1: Uh, Was there, like, a person on your podcast you interviewed that stuck with you the most? That, like, an episode you would point people to Uh, even if they're new to it?
0: I mean... Yeah, I think, oh God, there's just so many. There are so many. I think if you've had a pregnancy loss, you should listen to a Henry Sky, uh, or if you're trying to understand somebody who has been through that. There's also this episode called ARFID, which is about a very rare uh, eating disorder, which I think is a big empathy stretch for people big empathy stretch and then there's one called Route 91 which is about the Las Vegas shooting mm. and it is told by two of the survivors who are very very young and it's just a big big episode and we did this series on childhood trauma about a year ago called What Happened to You and it's I don't know I really really learned a lot making that episode and it helped me understand children better and it mm. helped me understand adults better because we are all former children we really are, at
1: our core. My gosh, We're just it's like, yeah. I'm gonna include those in the show notes um, because you guys should definitely listen. The I haven't actually heard all of those, so that was helpful for me too. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody teaser, I, I feel badly like breezing through these. Um, somebody so, okay. asked, so. uh, surviving off your first holiday season after losing somebody.
0: Oh my god! I want you to lower all of your expectations to the ground, then bury something and then lower them even further like as low as you can go uh, you know traditions are not meant to hold us they are not there we are not captive to traditions we are not captive to the way things should be there is what is right now and I want you to give yourself a lot of space to again let that day be what it is and I also want you to tell everybody around you I don't know how I will feel on this day I don't know I don't know and I don't know what I need, so please give me a lot of leeway. Maybe I'll be 3 hours late to brunch and and or maybe I'll be very early and I will actually bring the thing I said I would. Maybe I will ditch you at, at the at the very last possible minute and it's not about you. Mostly we're not seeing people because of a pandemic. I hope nobody's doing that. But no, I know some people are and I'm trying not to judge. And like and and so also again, maybe What I wish I would have done, I just wrote a whole thing in the New York Times with this. I wish I would have skipped it. I wish I would have skipped my first holidays. Mm. I wish I would have just been like, you know what? This year, we don't do any of that stuff. This year, we don't show up and pretend that it's still Christmas. This year, we all lay in bed and eat ice cream and and order Chinese food and just do something else. And that can also be a memorable experience. It can be the year you didn't have Christmas. It can be the year you didn't have Thanksgiving, which for a lot of people – you know it is, anyways. Mm. Um, and sometimes, also, you think that the that the big days are going to be hardest, and then it's just a regular Tuesday that's hard. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like uh, then then Christmas rolls around, and that's just any other Friday. But but that that quiet day afterwards is the one that feels lonely. And so, as much as possible, try to tell the people around you who want to be helpful how you feel, so that they can at least have a chance. To do whatever it is they can do
1: it's an interesting phenomenon where people will ask how they can help you and your instinct is to be like i'm fine um but like if you're not fine i i don't know i think about this often the the role of pleasantries in my life and their direct uh negating of like my truth half the time (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and like th- there's a reconciliation that needs to happen there we're like no this isn't serving anybody of all of us lying to each other to be pleasant mm-hmm. um and i that was yeah you just said so many things that i wrote down that were quotable even just like traditions are not meant to hold us there is what is right now i think i think the the idea of things is so um crippling to people because you can't meet that ideal if it involves people or things that are no more and to yeah. chase it is a soul sucking game. And it's sometimes oh. it has to be okay to start new traditions or to deviate from them. Or uh, we kind of talked about on your podcast, like the misnomer that happiness or joy, or these are static feelings and not fleeting ways of being. It's kind of like the better thing to chase is the, how to make yourself feel as good as possible with what you have (laughs) in any way you can. And, and uh, like, even the, um, when if we can't see people for Thanksgiving, I was like, let's just like do a treat yourself vibe, Like let's order every takeout we've ever felt guilty about and just like enjoy. Like, I don't know. Like, let's just make this kind of like, I hate the lemons out of lemon thing, but like, I don't know. I also think that sometimes it's worth revisiting uh, what you actually like about said traditions or thing that has to happen for this to go right. It's largely yeah, not what yes. it actually is and largely how it makes you feel. Ooh, that's very good. It's furious. Um, <laughs> okay. The, so well, one person asked if you stay in touch with your first husband's parents.
0: Oh yeah. 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 Do? They're, I, I, this is such a good question. I love this so much. I, uh, we moved closer to them so we live uh in phoenix now we live a couple of miles from them they are the best i love them and they have their own my both my mother-in-law's hang out with oh, each that's other awesome. like they have their own friendship and relationship which i love and uh and maymay who is aaron's mom is everybody's maymay and she treats all the kids so well and i mean they literally all call her maymay and oh that's like, sweet She's just everyone's grandma. I love it. And yeah. Was that
1: a big driver of you guys moving to Arizona?
0: Yeah, it didn't. It did not hurt at all. Like uh, I wanted to live somewhere where there was sun, so I wouldn't have to be so depressed all the time. And where we had some family. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Like where we wouldn't just be like totally flapping in the breeze, but uh, but but also like a place where I had no real memories, and I can sort of start a mm. different adult life. Yeah. And and. You know what I mean totally. not like it'd be like if you lived in in your same town in in Virginia for your entire life you would be like ooh wow I know what that Walgreens used to be. I don't know. There's just something like I have no history here. And it's just so refreshing. I'm like, wow, this is just a street.
1: There is not an Arby's where I've not been broken up with in Richmond, Virginia. Right. Exactly. <laughs> no, I, I, I as an HSP. I don't know if that's an HSP thing, but like I tie environment so specifically to sentiment, to emotion. And yeah, I, I, I completely identify with that. The a lot of people wanted to know if you were liking Arizona, how Arizona's doing. You know, I'm going to ask about the hair extensions, even though I know that's not like a central part oh, of yeah. like everyone's life in Arizona. Mm-hmm. But the other the how you like Arizona um, hair by Chrissy, if you have any thoughts on that. And also you have a new um, uh, tortoise that I am very interested to hear more oh about. Oh,
0: my God. Oh, <laughs> my God. Hold on. I'm going to text. I'm going to text Matthew and bring me the tortoise. One second.
1: What will that tortoise grow to full size like tiptoe?
0: Oh yeah, you you follow yeah, Tiptoe, like right? I I've I've seen Tiptoe. I don't know if I'm actually following Tiptoe. There's there are different kinds of tortoises. I think I, I ours is an African sulcata tortoise, uh, and I think Tiptoe's just like a regular desert tortoise, but I'm not sure. But ours will be huge, and he will live for 80 years. And I love Arizona. I don't know how to explain it, but like the first time I came here was with Aaron. We were visiting his parents, and I like stepped out of this airport. And I like just felt like the desert air, and I was like, "I love it here." Like I, and he was like, "Well, we're going to Scot- we're going to our retirement community in <laughs> Scottsdale, so relax." And I was like, "I love Again, the it." The Andy I Anderson of Phoenix, much- <laughs> right? <laughs> Rebrand, refresh. <laughs> I loved it, and you know, we never did any of like Phoenix is actually a very cool city. It's like a cool city with a lot of cool, creative people doing doing interesting things, and um.
1: Oh my gosh! This
0: is so I know. How it's does, like, does he grow? A time that I believe in God is when I see his little legs moving. I just think, like, yeah, there's a God. Look at this.
1: I, I it's a this. beautiful creature and so calm and like it, the fact that it will so grow calm. to where you can't even carry him anymore is so crazy.
0: Um, yeah, I'm like I I don't know. I, I got him from a neighbor, um, and <laughs> so sweet. What's his name? <laughs> she was like, "Would you like?" Um, our baby um, named him Cuteness is his first name. And his middle name is <laughs> Darkness of Doom.
1: Cuteness, Darkness so of I'm Doom. Slightly worried.
0: <laughs> CDOD. He's <laughs> just like so wise. CDOD is just such a sweetie. He's such a sweetie. He eats so much. He eats like a straight up side salad for breakfast. It's so great. So I love Phoenix. I can have a creature like this. We're going to get chickens. Like we have little parrots in our backyard. It's like... I don't know. I, I, it's a whole new climate, you know, whole new, whole new everything to learn. And, uh, and so I think like it's, it's part novelty, but also our neighborhood is so friendly. Mm -hmm. And it's very, like we live in this city. The houses are old, they're close together. You know, there's a lot of mixed use buildings in our neighborhood. Um, and a lot of old like mid-century apartment buildings which I love and our neighbors are so like I know more of my neighbors here than I did in Minnesota and mm. we lived here 6 months and it's a pandemic right um so so people are just so friendly and sweet and like it's you know the kids are outside playing right now in November instead of I don't I don't have my kids are not if it's cold they're like no like why would we go in the snow it will be wet right. like that's just not appealing to them at all um and so they're like outside now just doing whatever they're doing outside i don't know that's amazing the tortoise so i love it here It was a big life change it was a big life change but um i love seeing the sun every day under my spf 100 (laughs) like i'm not trying to get tan i'm just trying to like have some vitamin d and see a blue sky and not feel like the world is closing in on me so i didn't know it was an option um
1: been in Chicago a little too long. You can it's move just like anywhere you It's want. just like everything's the worst. I mean, <laughs> and you kind of get used to it. You like could, it's so cold. Uh, honestly,
0: so I'm. Are inspired. you are you moving? Are you moving like within the city? or Are you moving cities?
1: Uh, I'm. I think moving within the city. I would like to move cities, but okay. my it's contingent yeah. upon my husband's job. This was the question. I was like, maybe I'll ask this, but. It, it two people asked in two different formats that I thought it was interesting, but it's kind of like a tall yeah. order in terms of um, how uh, basically how do you navigate? The, the, this person worded it as how do you navigate Christianity with your kids as a post church kid? But I don't know if that's some those are your words or theirs.
0: Oh. Oh, no. I'm like, yeah, I'm a post-church kid. I don't know. Right now we go to a universe, universalist, uni, Unitarian Universalist church online, which I think is kind of what I've been searching for my whole mm-hmm. life. Like it's a little bit everything. It respects all of it. It brings it all in. And, you know, otherwise like the big kids have literally no idea. Ian, we sent Ian to the Catholic high school where I went, his starting his sophomore year. And he He took his very first religion class and he came home and he was like, "Uh, Jesus is God's son? What are you talking about? Like, his mind was just like, he's like, I am not going to pass this class. Like, what? Uh (gasps) It's like oh, but yeah, it's. I was like, yeah, it's a little out there, huh? Like, it's, you're explaining it to him, and it's like, but it's more just like you know, his spirit just impregnated a 14 year old girl. It made it look it.
1: Yeah, J- J- Jonah, like you know, he got
0: uh, his, he he went through the digestive tract of that big fish. It's a little yeah, confusing. Yes, yes, yeah. It's a little confusing. It's a little confused, but it's but if you just look at like really just the big picture, uh, which is that uh, something loves you. Uh, exactly. I think that's that's you know, doesn't that feel good?
1: This is what I, I think people, but also, people want, like, answers of, like, how do I, ex- like, quasi-explain religion to my kids? And this is uh, the conversation I'll have with myself, too, yeah. of, like, I want you to feel, like, loved and protected and watched over. And I so right. I don't know how to, pre- like, share my confusing yeah ideals. <laughs>
0: uh, same. Same. I still don't either. And uh, i got to find a little place to put him so he won't, like, try to... He's actually very smart. He won't walk off a desk. He's not an idiot. Religion's hard with kids. Like, it's hard yeah. just in general. And I try to be... I don't know. My parents didn't mention it to me. Like, we'd go to church, but it's not like they were ever, like, talking about things. So I think we try to talk more about values right. than a specific religion, and that's why I think, like, going to the UU services have been so good because, you know, like, there there have been, you know, sometimes the service is, like, based in, like, Jewish tradition. Sometimes it's based in Buddhist tradition. And I've just found that really, you know, uh, like, just a, a more reflective experience, um for me and then part of me worries and i think this is very valid that if i don't give them any religious education they will fall in love with an evangelical girl who dangles her her virginity in front of them as a way to lock them down Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and is that a risk that i'm willing to take and then they'll become a born-again christian just to have sex with their wife i've seen it happen i've seen it happen we okay. all have, and for
1: some people, uh, the journey works, and for some people, it's one partner is really phoning it in, phoning it in on the other's behalf. And I, I would, right? if somebody would have loved me, I would have been like, yeah, save my soul. Like I don't know, I was, I yes. was impressionable, and and I would have Very. become an adult that like hugely resented that path. But um, yeah, with the uh, religion piece, like I think that it's uh, it's hard to. Like you, you, one of the things you said to me via DM when I was doing the purity culture podcast that I, when I was going through our DM history, you were like, yeah, it was kind of weird. I, 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 um, thrust this onto myself, like you like voluntarily participated in purity culture, which I thought was like a funny thing, but I did too. It wasn't a requirement of my parents. It was very much a peer pressure thing of Mm -hmm. like, I was told this was right. This was wrong. This is what I should value about myself and my body. And I adopted it as my own theory that I had to undo in later in life. But I think that's like a funny thing that you bring up that that's one of your fears is like, whose fear is it that their kid gets a little too religious. One summer. Um, but yeah. having experienced it myself, I'm like, no, that did a lot of damage that my parents are in no way responsible for. It's kind of crazy. Yeah.
0: Oh, same. And it's also it also just like, you know, uh, it 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 puts such undue pressure on. Uh, on myself and on my body and it also gave me a very skewed sense of self-worth like a very oh, yeah. and not a good one right? you know which is like what everybody thinks like oh well you're really going to teach your daughter your, or this you know these girls self-respect no 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 you teach them that like their value is in um, like is in conserving this thing and in protecting this thing that also like makes them desirable but they must stay desirable constantly while also maintaining intrigue. And it's just, I don't know, it's just so gross. It's so gross. But I could just tell, I knew that it was like almost like a like a sexual bargaining chip, which is very strange.
1: A hundred, you know? oh, a hundred percent. And like, it's very convincing. Uh, uh, some people are very good at selling this to people and making you adopting it as part of your story and your mission. And like, there's some sort of value and virtue in, in honoring this for somebody and like, yeah, I, I, that, that's a whole different existential conversation of like, yeah, how do yeah, how do you get people to uh, find peace in the unknown without providing them very clear cut reasonings <laughs> for things? Yes, and you can't yeah. is the bottom line. But Nora, you're awesome. Like th- there, I mean, there was a million questions for you that I I won't uh, go through all of them. But uh, just I wanted to be able to like just. Talk it out, hear more about your story, give people more background for those that don't have it, but also be able to talk to our nostalgic hearts, which I feel like we did like a great balance of bobbing and weaving.
0: Oh, we did. We did. Sorry for all the times that I did not know how to talk about myself. Kate, Jeez Louise.
1: Nora, you are an absolute delight. Thank you for joining me for over two
0: hours. This is Uh, guys, this is not a somebody. Thank you. It's not for the faint of heart, but it's so good. I love your podcast so much, truly. And somebody in my DMs was like, "Quick question: Are you related to Kate Kennedy?" And I was so flattered. I was like, "Somebody
1: asked that in the not that I know
0: of, (laughs) but
1: why did somebody ask me that too?" No, somebody asked me if we're related too. Love that cue. I'm honored. I don't know why it might be the same person or multiple people, but I think we'd both love to be related to each other. Yeah, Uh, we would love it. I would love it one day. Um, Nora, where can people find you, your books, your, you know, your tortoise, everything? Um, uh, you can find my tortoise.
0: <laughs> I would go to Nora if you, if you're interested and, um, or still I think those are the places to go. Amazing. I'm on Instagram. Don't find, don't bother with Twitter. I would be scary. Not for me. Not for me. Too dark. Too dark.
1: (laughs) Oh my God. You're the best. I will let you go. People will love this. People love you. I love you. And wish we were related IRL. Uh, But hopefully we'll meet sometime. And until then, I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye, Kate. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. I thought that was a lot of fun and had a lot of depth. And I just wish I could chat with her all the time. If you uh, missed our episode, I was on Terrible. Thanks for asking her. Uh, podcast that it's huge it charts every week it's all we i always see that yellow thumbnail soaring and i'm also soaring with pride because i just want to continue to see her absolutely crush it um i am on the election day episode of terrible thanks for asking i was honored because she invited me on to essentially us both ramble for two hours and get people's mind off of the election. And uh, I had a great time. It was one of my favorite guesting uh, episodes I've ever done. So check that out. Also, patreon.com slash be there and five to see all of my Taylor Swift content that probably will come out tonight. Merch is for sale. Uh, there's a link in the bio. It's uh, teespring.com slash stores slash be there and five. But also it's the link in bio of my Instagram at be there and five. Also in the show notes as well. You guys are the best. I love you so much. Actually, I have two episodes coming out next week, so get ready to be inundated with more content. And uh, I am so appreciative of your time and so grateful to keep you company. And I hope you are all hanging in there no matter how good or bad things seem today. The important part about Be There in Five, as I've mentioned, is that we're on our way. You know, as always, let me know your thoughts and I will let you know mine. I'll be there in five, I swear.